Welcome to the Mikado demo. Oh. Oh. I wish that I could fly way up in the sky, like a bird so high. Oh, I might just try. I wish that I could fly way up in the sky, like a bird so high. Oh, I might just try. Oh, I might just try. version 3.0 i am dan this is episode three the gang's all here say hi guys what's, what's up? up hi guys hi Devin. hello hi how are you so what did you do anything fun this week Devin? i did i went i got to go flying on saturday uh-oh tell us about nice. it nice so i was there with the marvelous bill ann of course that guy oh, is you gotta, he is you guys have a bromance thing going on I don't. It feels like it at times. I think he's got a crush on you. Yeah, Maybe Uncle Bill. <laughs> Uncle Bill. Oh. <laughs> Does he have a white van? No, he doesn't have a white van. He has a black Tacoma. Dude, oh, he takes good ass videos, though. I gotta say that. His his videos are right. some of the best out there. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Bill. Just kidding. Just kidding. So we were all flying. I'm practicing for some upcoming events, doing trying to get my reversals for pyro flips and everything like that. And um, Bill was flying for pyro flips. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you and I were just doing the same thing the other day. Yeah, in my dreams. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. I saw Dan do it. I swear to God, I've seen Dan do it. Um, but I heard the funniest thing come out of Bill Ann's mouth while he was flying, and I wasn't paying attention. He's flying his Oxy Four Max, and all I hear him. S- all I hear is him screaming, oh shit. And I'm watching a <laughs> heli barrel towards the ground. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Where's my popcorn? Where's my popcorn? Oh, no. <laughs> and at the last second, he saves it and he goes, yeah, I think I'm going to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I need a wipey. Don't lie. I think I saw a post about that on Facebook. <laughs> yes, I did post about that on Facebook. Yeah. and uh, But it was a good day. Got a couple of packs flying. Um getting all the trailer all prepared for the upcoming events in the next couple of weeks and uh just chilling out what do you mean what events what are you talking about there's no events there there are a couple events there are where so there's um heli x and mm-hmm. down in north carolina oh yeah then yeah. the week that's after Nick's, that that's nick's yes. uh, neck of the yeah. woods isn't it it sure is I, I, it, it it is down there it is down there um then there, the week after is my event here in New Jersey. Um, then the next after that would be the Fall Mowdown in Virginia. Wait a minute. Your event in New Jersey? Yeah. At, at uh, what's the name of that club? At the Allen Airfield? Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. I was there yeah. once, wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah, you were there, what was it, that, a month ago that's now? the one with all the sand mites. Yes, it is. Yes. That, yep. And the oh, yeah, cow yeah. killers that we call them because... There's like these huge ants <laughs> that like stab cows and yeah, dude. they It's die. a good field though. Nice it is field. a very nice field. The owner's very cool with us and chills out. And then after that, I'm th- I think I'm going to make a surprise visit over to Arizona for the rodeo. Nice. Yes. You got your shit so, kickers on. 
<laughs> shit kickers. No, I'm, Do you even know what shit kickers are? No, I'm too young for that. Cowboy wait, boots. Wait, wait a minute. Cowboy now. boots. Oh. It's a rodeo, right? It's a rodeo. Hell, the rodeo. Yeehaw, right? <laughs> I'm still stuck on the uh, ants that kill cows. Wait, <laughs> yeah. you don't crash so, at that field, right? You, you don't. If you crash, you just don't get that helicopter back. What's the no, deal? It, it depends. It depends how bad it is. If you crash it and you watch it chicken dance and do all this stuff, you're like, "Yep, just leave it there." But <laughs> if it if it's a nice subtle crash in the beans, you go get it. I only had once where I was like, "Oh, do I seriously uh, want to get this heli?" Because I walked <laughs> into the beans where it is, and there was a snake curled up on the top of the beanstalk oh, and i was like oh, oh here we go <laughs> like this it's is like great. some into the wild shit just to get your helicopter you, back yeah i know you, you fly exactly Australia? what the hell yeah well i don't know maybe mate i don't know i'm not sure well, i saw a spider at my club the other day and i damn near burnt the whole place to the ground <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking <laughs> that, that, that's that's the that's it right there but no besides just doing some practicing and flying just chilling out and you know now here with you guys recording oh, rchn of course Aww. best part of your week Aww, yeah exactly and then the driving i'm not looking forward to that but so i, I kind of interrupted your thought process and you did briefly go over let's go over again so you got your event in new jersey and then after new yes. jersey you've got what after new jersey should be the fall mowdown in virginia okay that's hey, the one about, that i can't make it to yes heli x that's first oh well that that's a surprise that's that's a that's a surprise. But when this comes out, it'll already be happening. Don't worry. No, well, no, no, it's no okay. By the time everyone really gets it, it, it's like we're gonna get down there, and everyone's gonna be playing it on the loudspeaker, and we're gonna have to, you know, we'll listen to it, the podcast while we're flying. <laughs> Nick's gonna be biting his tongue in the corner, and Devin's gonna be giggling. They'll be like, "Don't tell him! Don't tell him! Don't tell him!" Oh, there, there, they heard it. <laughs> They heard it. Oh crap! They know. We're oh, here, hey guys. What's oh, up? Yeah, we're, we're here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, but I'm really looking forward to seeing everyone down there. I haven't seen some of my my southern friends since I went down to Miami in the beginning of the flying season. So, wow, you're quite excited. the world traveler, dude. The world traveler. I am. I'm a world explorer. Yes, you are. <laughs> That's awesome. racking up the miles, but no crash. Exactly. Um. No crashes, but maybe after Heli X next week, there, there might be something. I didn't. We'll you, I, so, Nick and Rob, didn't you guys? You guys heard my explicit instructions last week. Did you not? Bring yeah. a crash story. A crash story. I yeah, got it. A recent one. Like a I recent need, one. I need pictures. I need carnage. And it needs to have happened in the last four or five days. Oh, no, well, for Heli X, that'll be fine if it happens down there. Don't worry. I'll get you a good picture right. with me smiling with a thumbs there you up. Go. That's what yeah, I'm looking for. I will make sure exactly. it's documented. I will even make oh, yeah. a pose. I need one from you, too. To the heli. I can lay down all cute like and everything like that. Oh, you're all cute anyway, dude. Who are you kidding? Oh. Who are you kidding? Oh. Oh, so cute. I need a crash story adorable. from you, too, Nick. No, I can I make that crash. happen. I can not talk happen. to him at hell. Yes. You don't crash. Have a serious... Let me tell you, if, if Jay cannot talk me down, if Jay Treadway cannot talk me into the ground, you cannot. How about a mixture of Jay Treadway and me? That's, that's not, oh, it's going that's in. That's not fair. It's like a that's Nick sandwich. <laughs> it's like a Nick sandwich you guys Treadway, got going on. He's like on. the ground yeah. whisperer. <laughs> Jay? Yes, he is. Oh my God. Smell it. I know. Every time I fly and he starts talking, I'm like, oh, here we go. 
Oh no. Right. This is either gonna be great or great. So Yep. Okay, I'm moving on because you're boring me. Oh sh- thank you. <laughs> just kidding, just just kidding. Who's next? Who wants to go next? I'll go next. Okay. Oh, damn, really? Yeah. Oh. Sorry. Dude, <laughs> I am living my best hobby life this week. I got all kinds of good stuff to share. Um, every now and then you have one of those weeks in the hobby that's just awesome, and th- this is one of them. So I'm going to sound overly cheery and obnoxious, so suck it up. <laughs> all right. So the first thing that happened this week is I managed to pick up a Futaba 32MZ at a really good nice. deal off a dude. And it's everything I hoped it would be in terms of feel in my hands and switch spacing and all those things. Um, so I set that transmitter up on my Goose Guy S2. I figured that was a good way to kind of just learn just the basics of the transmitter before I dive into the 760. And I flew that heli a bunch of times, and I'm definitely digging the transmitter. I got a long way to go, a lot to learn, but uh, initial impressions are great. So that was fun. Um, That's awesome to hear. Yeah, also, so that happened I'm seriously earlier. contemplating yeah. trying it. Dude, that radio is pretty sweet. People who were like dipping their toes in the Futaba water and checking it out. So it's too early for me to really say much, but I'm definitely enjoying what I'm what I've done so far. Um, Pretty cool transmitter, interesting layout, pretty self-explanatory. I I phoned a friend once about one little detail, but uh, otherwise I've managed to figure it out on my own. So that was cool. Um, Awesome! So great. So when you get it all underway, I'll text you. Perfect. Yes, you can, because I've got some secret weapons up my sleeve. There are like four 32MZ guys in my club, one of which flies F3C and has figured out every flight condition ever possible, because that's what F3C dudes do. Uh, I got some other guys, just some regular scale pilots and 3D pilots. And, you know, I'm, I'm not scared because I can just, you know, hit our little local chat group here in Atlanta and uh, figure it all out. So um, that's been that's fun. awesome. Um, speaking of the Goose Guy S2. I watched this YouTube video that intrigued the heck out of me. And I'm not usually like this. So the video I watched was basically like take any small tail motor driven helicopter, Goose Guy S2, OMP Hobby M2, and take the tail motor and point it the other way and flip the prop around and reverse the motor direction is basically what it says. And it's way quieter. So because it's a cheap, well, relatively cheap helicopter. And because I was like, well, that's interesting. And the guy did this great video. I wish I should have written his name down. I'm sorry. I don't have it, but uh, he released a video where he basically did the same maneuvers with the modification and without the modification without, it sounds like you're stepping on a cat and with it was much quieter. And so I tried this on my one more time. Yeah, So, so tail motor driven helicopter, right? Goose guy, you know, OMP hobby M2 logo 200, any of these. He takes the tail motor from pointing towards the right-hand side when looking at the back of the tail, which is generally where most of them are. I think all of them are. And he points it to the left of the tail, moves the tail fin to the other side, and flips the tail prop, tail rotor. So it's like the Furion 6 from Miniature back in the day. So basically, instead of pulling the tail in one direction, you're pushing the tail in the other direction. Or do I have that backwards? I don't remember. Backwards, yeah. You'd be pulling yeah, it, it backwards the other way. Yeah, yeah, so it's pulling instead of pushing. And it was much quieter. Now, I've gone ahead and made this modification to the S2, and I haven't had a chance to bring it to a big flying field yet. I've only done it in my backyard. And so far, it seems to do everything I ask of it, but quieter, which makes me happy because it doesn't sound like I'm stepping on a cat. Uh, huh. So that was cool. I'm excited to try that in 
a much more challenging situation and try some funnels and sideways loops and other stuff and see what happens. So it could go catastrophically wrong. So I'm only going to try it when I'm by myself. Wait, so you're telling me I can't take video of while you're trying all these maneuvers? You can. Save it for Helix. At at least once by myself. No, man. I I, I agree with Rob. I agree with Rob. When it comes to like (laughs) heli death, I'm pretty conservative. So I I tend to try Uh, stuff by myself. I have a great local flying field 10 minutes from my house. I try everything there by myself. And then I try it in front of people. I see. Even though it's like grass at LAX with it. Or... I'm just going to hand the transmitter to Devin at Heliax and go, here, you try it. See what happens. <laughs> and that's not a good idea. Every time I fly one of those helicopters, the M2 or the Goose Guy, I crash it. He's going to let him fly it. Ah. That's not happening then. Uh, <laughs> but, I mean, so that's pretty interesting. So far. We'll yeah, see that's, what that'll be interesting to see how that turns out. I know on like bigger helicopters in the past, people have theorized some of those things, but because of there's so much more mass and the way they're driven and how they're assembled, you really just end up unwinding a bunch of shit, you know, over time. Yeah. Right. So, but with this is, I guess as long as just knowing what I know from like the drone world and like with prop planes and stuff, as long as that, uh, the prop nut is on nice and tight and it's not something that's like, uh, it needs that it needs to be spun a certain way for it to stay tight. You're fine. But I, I don't, I guess I haven't seen it with my own eyes. That thing must, you must have to like lock tight. You have to like lock tight that blade on or how do you. It's just a single screw with like a blade nut that tightens down. It's nothing fancy. Yeah. I mean, it's a tiny right. little tail motor. So. Right. Well, well, we'll, well no, happens. I get that. But what I'm saying is like, so if the, if the motor is spinning clockwise and you oh, does it tighten the nut the clockwise, Right. Is it going to unscrew the bolt under load? Because on the drones that they do, you know, it, up until now, everybody just uses lock nuts in the whole nine, right? As long as you got the plastic See, lock insert in your nut, good info because there's no lock nut. So maybe I'll put some red Loctite on that thing and Dude, <laughs> just to be safe, man, because you don't want to be way up in the air with that thing and have it come pirouetting down like crazy. It's like well, a $10 cool. helicopter. Um, I kind of do, actually. <laughs> Dude, that's I, like I a month too. and a half of my if, heli budget, man. What are you talking about? If that's the heli for the tail, I mean, the good news about those helicopters is, is literally you hit throttle hold, they stop all momentum. They have no yeah. mass. So they just they're stop just and drop like rocks. Wait, so, so as Nick. Long as it's not over anybody's head. Or I'm just going to have Devin stay behind me with a tennis racket and then we'll be all right. Can you, can you practice blade <laughs> stops with it then? Uh, sure. Dude, I bet I you can. see that. As long as it's yours. Well, I, I used to do blade stops one. with the Gowie 200. I'm sure you could do it with the 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 s2 that'd be awesome that'd be a great video and if it ends badly it would be great to talk about that's great (laughs) well we'll give it a try helix we'll see what happens you can try a blade hey you can try a blade stop with my uh orza oh boy Uh, (laughs) that thing's too pretty to try it's too nice it flies too good yeah and it looks pretty I like pretty. I feel like I got to sign a waiver to fly that thing or something. (laughs) This is my permission slip. (laughs) Uh, All right. Back to business here. So I did get to, so some good things happened this week. Number one, my wife went out of town for three days. Uh, Why is that good? Because that means when the uh, wife is away, the husband does play, uh, (laughs) which means I got to fly a couple of times midweek. Nice. Um, So I went out uh, Tuesday and flew actually with a guy named uh, Thomas Mabry, who just moved to the Atlanta area. This guy I met at a fun fly a couple of years ago. And uh, we had a great time at at, uh, Atlanta RC, kind of a a nice little small RC club right in the middle of downtown Atlanta. Um, 
got out and flew some helicopters. He busted out a uh, maiden on his raw 700 nitro and that went great. And uh, we had some fun times. So that was cool. Um, I'm psyched he's there and we're definitely going to be getting in some lunchtime flights together uh, in the future. And then I got out uh, another day, met up with Sean Hall and uh, put in a bunch of flights. Um, and uh, I had a great time at the field uh, flying the Nimbus and some some other stuff. Um, got reacquainted with my Raw 700, which I hadn't flown a lot recently. So that was that was a ton of fun. It was just a great day. I was mostly by myself, although I did roll up to the field and I get all my helicopters out and I get them all out on the table and I'm the only one there and it's a three mile an hour breeze. And I'm like, oh, this is the day, right? Like this yeah. was the day that looked like bad weather, but it's actually good weather. And I'm going to hang out by myself and I'm just going to crank a ton of flights out. And then that one guy shows up and it's the planker guy <laughs> that's Aww. really excited to be in the hobby. And he's got his little aero scout first trainer plane and he's really excited to talk to someone. And on the inside, you're going I just want to be a dick and just bust out a ton of flights on my helicopters. But on the outside, you're like, I love this hobby. I love the people in it. And I want to encourage this man to like get a bunch of flights in on his aero scout. So that's what I did. And you hung out yeah. and I didn't get as many flights in on my helicopters, but I helped him, you know, fly and land his aero scout. And we had a good time and he left happy as can be. Right. Which is the best thing in this hobby. Right. When someone's excited. But I was like, yeah, oh, totally. I really wanted to bust out a ton of flights. I've got a solution for you next time that happens. What, what do you do? You just look them straight in the eye and say, what's up, damn dirty planker? <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the what tennis What up, a planker? <laughs> uh, so that was fun. I, you know, I ended up with a couple of great days of flying uh, during the week while the wife was away, which is great. Um, and right now I am in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, which some of you may know is the home of uh, the one and only Nick Maxwell. And I spent the afternoon setting up uh, cameras and video switchers and microphones uh, in his workshop. And I'm here with Sean Hall and Ellie Direct uh, about to film an exciting project that I can't talk much about at this point other than to say look for it in the future. Um, but I had an awesome afternoon with Nick. He's just uh, kind of just a great guy to hang out and uh, shoot the bull with. And I'm excited for what we're going to film tomorrow, and I look forward to uh, sharing more details about it later. But it, it's just been an awesome week in the hobby, man. I'm uh, super stoked. That means you, Rob. You're up next. Am I? Yup. Yeah. You got okay. news? Yeah, I kind of do. Yeah. Well, so I didn't really fly at all. I spent a lot of time wrenching on the bench, though, and I got this 600 to where I think she's ready to fly. So I've searched far and wide all over the internet and uh, the blade grip arms for the uh, the 600 DFC grips, right? The grip arms seem to be really hard to find, but I did find one place where I can order some. So I'm going to order some at the end of the week here on payday. But I can fly on these ones. The one is just a little bit bent. So I'll have to like... Oh, is it? Yeah, I'll just have to tweak the head just to compensate for now, just so I can fly it. But... Um, I found an old one-way bearing that I still had that was good, a spare. So I, I pressed that into the main gear because the bearing, the one-way was bad. But other than that, everything is great. I got the 500 all set up as well. Um, just got to get a front torque tube gear for that. And that one's ready to fly it too. So anyway, I just been oogling over these two things, kind of going over them again. and uh, Since you didn't have the decency to... To say it, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it for you. Yeah, I, I did get those helis sent off to Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know how you can fix the grips. It's how called can I a fix BFG, 
a big fucking a big hammer. <laughs> hey, I got a couple of those. Wait, hey, maybe that'll BFG? work. Yeah, it is. You wanna re- you, do you want to rethink that? Yeah, you want to try Did that you go again, to a public Devin? school, Devin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll stick it with it. BFH, big fucking hammer, but same difference. Yeah. So, okay. That's great. So I said I didn't fly, and I, I didn't fly uh, this week, but at the end of the week, um, I think it must have been on Sunday. Maybe it was Monday. Maybe it was this week. Anyway, I took the X5 out, and I flew it. Um, I know on the last episode I had talked about just hovering it and I had these tiki torches in my yard. So I was like, this will be fun. And so I hovered it inverted there and I got my kids to take some pictures. I'll have to get them from them. Um, but here's the screwed up thing. While I was flying, I learned that my super nice neighbor doesn't seem to like helicopters. I'm up, (laughs) I'm up above my yard in my back lot in the air, way up there, you know, doing some passes back and forth, doing some loop-de-loops and stuff. And I'm up there where the bird is a little bit quieter, and I can hear the guy. He's like, can't that guy go to a fucking park or something? God damn it. You know, I'm like, God, really? You know, so I just finished my flight, you know, or whatever, and and landed and, and put it back down. And I mean, I don't think he's going to necessarily deter me from flying in my, my property. This is my property. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to fly here, and it's big enough for me, too. He just doesn't like the sound. But I'm just, I'm just not going to piss him off. But I kind of, I don't know. I thought that was kind of dumb. Yeah, gotta be reasonable, but you know he's he's not my boss, so whatever. If I gotta test hover my shit. I'm test hovering my shit, you sure. know. Sure. But uh, anyway, so that kind of put me off a little bit, but I brushed my shoulder off and moved on from it a little bit. I thought I'd tell you guys about it because is that exactly what lame. he sounded like? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, you could tell he was like, you know how sounded people like Mr. Some, Wilson. Yeah, you know how people passively passively aggressively will do things because they know that at a distance, somebody will notice it and then choose to respond or not. I didn't respond, you know, but that's what he was doing. You Dude, you know, know just loud enough where he knew I could hear it. You need to respond oh. with some rooster pulls at 6 a.m. with yeah. that. Oh, yeah. There you go. Oh, Here we go with the rooster, rooster pulls. pulls. <laughs> some blade farts. There you go. Like, this blade one's for farts. you, buddy. That's uh, that's kind of my, my heli business for the week. Just looking forward to... Uh, taking the X5 back out. I'm going to, now that I've, I've run it through a few paces, you know, I've, I've had three or four flights on it. I'm confident. I'm going to take it out to the park and just try and blow up the battery or something. I don't know. Just beat on it a little bit and see. I have, you know, I haven't run it at a hundred percent yet. So, uh, I should do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do those, uh, those pull my cock. What are you talking about? Rooster pulls at the park? <laughs> Did you just say cock? Cock pulls? You're going to do some cock pulls. No. X-rated. I'm just going to do a punch out. That's what they're actually called, or punch outs. And there you I'm go. I'm going to do some of those. I can, get, I can get behind that. Punch out. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So many jokes. Cock pulls. Cock. <laughs> All right. So before we get any further, Dan, how was your week? Oh, Nick. See, I remembered this week. Oh, that is yeah. so nice. I didn't do anything. Wow, that was awesome. Cool. <laughs> I mean, Actually, you did at least have a broken ankle. I did. So I'm still dealing with that. Did you that buy sucks. anything? Uh, I did. How did you? What? How, how did you, you know buy that? Me? What did you buy me? I didn't buy you shit. Bitch. But I did buy something. Today, in fact. Oh. I bought a helicopter. Nice. Oh my wait, God, wait a no minute. Way. One from 2022 or like an old school vintage thing? Not a, I wouldn't call it an old school vintage thing, but it certainly isn't a, uh, 
2022. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> dude, this is a brand what? new, brand new kit get? in the box. What is it? About about another Synergy N7. Yeah, I nice. can't follow you for that. I can't. It's nothing I just, wrong with that. The price, dude. I damn near bought a Futaba SX. Is that right? Let me take a look. I believe it's a Futaba 18 SX. I don't know anything about it. I got a picture over here. Shouldn't you know something about nope, it before nope, you buy nope. it? 18SZ. Obviously, that doesn't mean much to you guys. So I probably won't I've buy it. I've heard of it. Don't buy it. <laughs> I've heard of it. That's no integration it. with the CGY, I don't think. No, I don't know anything about it. It's just the deal. The price was right. Look, uh, one of our listeners, Eric, got in touch with me because he knew that I had a Synergy N7 and had been talking about potentially buying some parts for it or maybe another kit. And he happened to have a friend that had one uh, kit in the box and he um, was looking to sell it. But not only that, but he was looking to sell a um, Raptor E700. Hey, nice. Fully ready to fly. And this uh, 18SZ. There was a bit of miscommunication. Somehow Eric misunderstood or, or whatever, but he was thinking that his buddy wanted to sell everything for a thousand dollars. Now this radio sells for eleven hundred dollars. Oh yeah. Now in today's market. And I was like, uh are you sure he wants to do that? <laughs> Cause uh and he's like, Yeah, that's why that's what he's doing. So anyway, we kind of start thinking that maybe there was a miscue here, right? So we brought all three of us into the conversation and sure enough, there was, I, you know, I was like thinking to myself, it's finally happening. It's that one time you always hear somebody talking about, oh yeah, man, I bought this, uh, fully kitted out heli here for like six, 60 bucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because everybody <laughs> right. has one of those stories except for me. Right. Yeah. I was thinking it finally was happening. I was going to get two helis, a nice radio, potentially, I don't know anything about it, but potentially a nice radio. It was, yeah, it, it that cool wasn't grand. However, no. the radio itself, I'm still thinking about buying. I did go ahead and get the uh, N7, and it has been shipped and should be here Thursday. Nice. I did go flying, but I, fl- I flew a plank. Oh, what? Were you medicated? Wait, not no. I did. So. Did you fly it, it upside was, down? Were you on narcotics? No, I, won't, <laughs> I was on narcotics. Well, that's okay if it's a plank. Because these guys no, might see, as look, well be. I, it, it was um, my stepson's 23rd birthday. And oh, okay. He, he's borderline. He, he's, he's on the autism scale. Right. And he plays video games and he's exceptionally good at them. And I've been thinking maybe I could get him into flying something. Maybe not helicopters, yeah. planes maybe. So his mom and I last week decided to go to the local hobby shop and just kind of look around and see what they had. Relatively inexpensive starter foamies. Ended up yeah. buying buying him one that ready to fly for like, I don't know, it was like 120 bucks. Bought a couple extra batteries for it. And so we took Orca? him out to the flying field. What was it? Uh, I don't even know. Hobby Zone something or other. Uh, it was a pusher. Uh, you've yeah. seen them, I'm sure. That was my first plane. Yeah. Was a little hobby zone pusher. You rubber band the wings on or whatever, just in case. Yeah, this one had a little yeah. thing, little, a little. It, it wasn't a bad. It's not a bad little plane. Yeah, uh, yeah. it already needs <laughs> replacement parts. But 
Um, so we took him out there on his birthday. We went out to a nice lunch and then took him out there and surprised him with that. He was pretty excited. So nice. I flew it a few times, nice. kind of giving him the ins and outs. and Actually, it was flying pretty well. Until you crashed? <laughs> well, I, so actually, yeah, I did. I did, I did, uh, lose it and, and unfortunately the little foamy canopy popped off and we couldn't find it. Oh. So we, we ordered one of those, but we were still able to fly it. And, uh, I, I would, I was, I would get it going and I would hand him the sticks and kind of direct him what to do. And he was getting it. He, uh, he was doing really well. He, you know, I think a few more, we ordered the parts, the parts will be here in a couple of days. We'll be able to try it again next weekend, probably. But I think he's going to do pretty well with it. He he's really into like video games, so he's got a yeah. good eye hand coordination thing going on. That's cool. I hope he likes it. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I was going to take a heli, uh, but I was like, eh, this this is uh, yeah, it, this isn't the time to bring a heli. Let's uh, let him focus on this plane. He was pretty excited about it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, work continues on the N seven. I've honestly not touched it for a week and a half or so. I'm just not in a hurry to build it. Uh, all the other helis are in perfectly flying condition. I just can't go flying uh, with the ankle. I mean, I could, but it's a, it's a big hassle because other people really have to help me, like 100% help me, like load all my yeah. shit up and unload yeah. all my shit and load all my shit back up. And I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> so the good news is on Thursday, Wednesday, 31st, I don't know if that's a Thursday or Wednesday. I get to go finally back to the doctor. We're going to get to the uh, kind of the initial how are you doing after surgery assessment. The uh, The plan right now is no walking. And I'm only a week and a half, almost two weeks into it. Eight weeks? Oof. Oh. Yeah, that's a long <laughs> yeah. time, man. Ouch. Yeah, that's not so, far out from when my wife broke her ankle, though. This, that was pretty normal, I think. Dude, yeah, your ass is going to be flat as hell. Dude, I got a, so I'm improvising, right? I'm using crutches when I need to, but um, I've got a electric wheelchair I've been using. I, I mean, I think I s- posted a picture of me flying my helicopter sitting in it Yep. the other yep. day, which is very nice. Uh, today actually was my first day back to work from home. Nice. Which was much needed after almost two weeks of stir craziness. Yeah, I bet. You can only watch so much Netflix, dude. Telling you right now, I know it sounds like, oh man, I'd love to have two weeks of watching it. Yep. Yeah, I was cool for about a week, maybe five days. I didn't work a full day. I, I can't quite sit that long without pain, so we'll work into it. The idea is hey, to get cleared. Get yeah, I got to get cleared. If the doctor tells me I can drive, which I don't think he's going to, but if he does. The idea is I'm going to actually go into the office. I've got a lift on the back of my wife's car. I'll be using her car. And I'll just, I asked work today. I said, well, if the doctor clears me, can I just come to work in this electric chair? And they're like, oh, hell yeah. So I'm hoping. Which ankle is it? Your left or your right? Left, left ankle. Oh, nice. Yeah, my wife broke her right and then couldn't drive for forever. But if it's your left, that's a different story. It, the, only, the only thing is, is getting into the vehicle, I have they, the determination might be made that I have to put too much weight on it getting in and out. Yeah. Getting in and oh. out on the right, on the passenger side, I can keep all my weight on my right 
ankle. But getting in, I have to put a, not all, but a significant amount of weight on my left ankle. They won't like that. I'm guessing. We'll find out. You just got to jump in. Where's your vertical, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Are you new? <laughs> I just got to jump in, dude. Seriously. I thought you were in a basketball store. Zip line from the house right to the seat. Right in there. Yeah. That'd be just, sick. Just buzz right in there. Maybe uh, since we're dreaming, the way we could Star Trek it in there and just get beamed. Just materialize. I was, I was thinking more Yardapult. I don't even yeah. know what that is. Yardapult? Oh, you got to watch the that, old Saturday Night Live skit about Yardapults. Who, no. who still like watches Saturday Night Live? Yard. Do you still watch Saturday Night Live? No, no this is back from when it was good. Ago. Oh, like back in the 90s when it was good. Yeah. Like Need More Cowbells type stuff? Yeah. That was good. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember that one. I used to watch that shit all the time. But anyway, that's really all I've been up to. So I did mention briefly that you know, you guys mentioned that rooster pulls. Uh, Devin and I found ourselves in a, what's that thing called? Uh, what's that app called? App. Grinder? No. <laughs> Good one, dude. I I opened the door and you walked right through it. Good job. I like it. Oh, Discord. <laughs> that <shit> out. <laughs> oh, Discord, yes. Yeah, we were on a Discord the other day with a bunch of... Uh, of uh, the other podcasters, there's a group. Oh, the Friday Night Free Fall shit. That's right. Yes. Friday Night Free Fall. Free Fall shit. <laughs> Get over it, Rob. Get over it. I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> and um, they were all making fun of me, dude. I, uh, For they what? They were all making because I every was, single one of them were actually. They yeah. were like, they were like, oh, what's your problem with rooster pulled, man? I'm like, dude, come on. Oh my god. Because that's not what they're called. That's why. <laughs> You no, sounded exactly like Gucci saying that. It was, yeah, I know, he was, shit. and then, look, it wasn't good-natured fun. They were just, they were just ribbing me. I, I enjoy it. And then we got into this lengthy discussion about the difference between a West Coast and an East Coast fun fly. Well, that didn't end very, that was an interesting conversation at most. And I'm right. <laughs> I, All I, my I, thoughts were well thought out, well articulated, and expressed to the utmost professionalism so if you had to distill it down what's the difference between east coast and west coast fun flies well east and west so far miles. <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> about three thousand miles that's the difference so far and this is a limited sample i have not been to an east coast fun fly and i'm not saying by all means all my friends on the east coast that it doesn't happen but so far I have not been to an East Coast fun fly that is as enjoyable as a West Coast fun fly. And all my West Coast buddies will agree with me on that. Now, I think you need I, to hit I, the Southeast. I get it. I, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. And I also need to experience more. Like, uh, I just haven't. And I'm sure I will. So is there more bugs in the East Coast then? Or is there a lot, oh, a yes. lot more swatting oh, and shit yeah. going on? Dude, God, up here, it's crazy. Dude, dude, at night flying on the southeast, you're like, oh my God, there are 10,000 bugs in front of those lights. It's yes, that's actually true. Them. So that sound is not just the blades. It's like a bunch of uh, bug destruction, <laughs> oh, yeah. too. It's all you the come hornets. down and your blades are like blood red. If you fly yeah. near the lights, it's just like- That's similar. That that happens That happens as well. That That's very, that, that's not a lot different. One thing, look, the only thing I've really noticed about living on the East Coast as opposed to 
I wouldn't even call it the West Coast. Northwest is where I was at. Is the longer I live on the East Coast, the shinier my clothes get. What? What? I'm coming. Telling you, telling you, dude. Look, you wearing like I went to buy dresses. I don't know if it's an East Coast thing. Look, my nursing scrubs—they're all made out of a—they're like this new technology, polyester. They're very comfortable and they stay very cool, which is very nice. Then we had to go buy for the cast. I had to go buy a couple pairs of uh, what you know, sweatpants. Sweatpants aren't shiny, but they are here. They are shiny here. I could not find anything but shiny sweatpants. I don't know if that's because you're glowing, Dan. Yeah, it's because it's because you bought the patent leather leggings. Is that what it was? (laughs) Assless chaps. They're kind of shiny. Oh god. Oh god. Get out of my head. I don't even know what that is. Out of my head. I don't know. I don't know what it is either. It's just an observation. It's not a judgment. My clothes are getting shinier the longer I live on the East Coast. I don't know. What that means, take it for whatever you want to. You're supposed to just, just an observation. Grumpier. It's in the water. Well, maybe it's less rugged on the East Coast. Dude, I'm telling you right now, I, I am definitely getting grumpier. <laughs> I mean, that's that's that. Yeah, that's been happening for decades. Yeah, but so, is that from living on the East Coast or just as you get older? I do think living on the East Coast has made me a little more grumpier, especially on the highway. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well, that's different. true. That's very true. I just have never seen a group of people that just cannot drive. Just yeah. can't do it. They just can't. They can't do it. It's, it's incredible. I just love watching people absolutely everywhere else in the country try to drive in the wintertime. Me and I know, right? And just laugh God. at it. Yeah. That's the same thing in Montana. It's like, uh, you know, we have people moving in and like, oh, geez. They're going to they're gonna shut down school today, right? Well, why? Well, because it snowed. So, <laughs> yeah. Same thing in Atlanta now. We get an inch of snow and the whole state shuts down for two days. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That happened last year, didn't it? Yeah, it happens. We would have to get year, upwards in Montana. We'd have to get upwards of, I don't know, two or three feet before they start considering shutting shit down. Yeah. Well, I went to college in New Hampshire, man. It took three feet of oh, snow to like have school be go. canceled. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. We digress. We talk about shit that just doesn't matter. <laughs> it's kind of what we do Every here day. at RCHN. Version 3, baby. Yep, Version that's three. how it goes. Hell yeah. All righty. Maybe it's time for some news. News. Oh, news. <laughs> Jesus. Was that like the <laughs> retirement news announcement? <laughs> no, he just orgasms while saying that. Grandpa scary, announces the scary news. Scary old guy down the hall announces the news. <laughs> Alright, here's the news for this week. We got some more SAB Goblin Raw 420 news. Uh, SAB released a new video about the Goblin Raw 420 where they went over some more of uh, the 420's feature and some uh, trips and tricks uh, coming up for that helicopter. The video they released uh, discusses the sacrificial blade grip arms, which is uh, kind of a welcome trend these days where they're designed to fail before your servos break or... uh, other parts on the head break, so that's nice. Um, they did release a couple of little secrets here. They mentioned that the kit will initially, quote unquote, only be available in yellow. So like its larger brother, the Raw 700, it will soon be available in more colors in the future. Uh, no updates on how many colors or any of that info yet. Uh, but they also went ahead and showed the heli with the optional carbon boom. 
which I gotta say, I, I, I don't know if you guys have seen these photos yet. I'm not a huge fan of it with the carbon boom. I think I like the stock boom better. Uh, have you guys had a chance to see that yet? I want yeah, I saw it. It doesn't boom. look that good. I want yeah. it. Well, you know, to each well, of course own you there, do. All I'm gonna say there. I like it better with the stock boom. But uh, so. What I do like, though, is that SAB is recognizing that people seem to enjoy customizing their helicopters. I like that they're releasing different color canopies. Uh, they will soon be releasing different colored booms as well, as well as some other options. Uh, they also talked about some optional upgrades for the RAW 420 already. Uh, it's not even shipped yet, and there's already some upgrade parts available. Some of those include these motor roll bars. So if you've seen a picture of the helicopter at this point, it's got this huge pancake flat gajillion pole motor on it yeah and yep some of these folks have said like well i fly over pavement and i'm concerned if i crash it on its side what's going to happen so sab has released these for lack of a better word roll bars that will basically form a, an aluminum cage around the motor so the roll bar would hit the ground before the spinning parts of the motor do uh, so you can purchase those uh, there's word that there'll be some different skid colors uh, there's a battery hatch available for those that either prefer having a battery hatch. So this is similar to sort of the raw 700 battery hatch, the kind of the, the guppy mouth of the fish opening. So there'll be an optional hatch you can purchase there. So if you can't remember to close the battery latch and are afraid you're going to eject the battery because of that, um, there'll be an optional uh, battery hatch available there. There's also, if you're familiar with the helicopter at all, um, it's got this innovative battery tray, and this is becoming kind of a, a new trend in a few helicopters here. The uh, XL Power Nimbus, as well as the Spectre V2, have these interesting battery trays that have incorporated battery connectors in them, where you literally slide the tray in, and the electrical connection is made for you automatically, or automatically, as I like to say. Um, and then when you pull the tray, it breaks the electrical connection. So essentially there's battery connectors bolted to the tray that your batteries are permanently soldered to. Um, so you would need an adapter to, you know, to charge your packs this way. Um, but it's cool because in a lot of these designs, certainly with the Spectre V2 and the Nimbus, you don't have to take the canopy off. You'd literally just slide the tray in from the back. The electrical connection is made. So the RAW 420 is kind of in that same vein here. Um, but they've just released an XT60 connector bracket if you prefer to use that, the stock battery connector is, a, I think it's a connector of SAB's own design. Uh, at this point, it's not sort of a, a stock general brand, so you need an adapter to kind of charge a battery, as far as I can tell from the information available at this point. But if you want to roll Rockin XT60, there's now a bracket that'll hold that connector down to the tray. Um, but that's it for SAB 420 news. Hopefully, those should be shipping any day now. So, didn't... Several years ago, the SAB 500 come with a battery tray similar to that? I don't know, to be honest. I think it did. I think it did. That's kind of interesting, the tray yeah. with power. My first thought is, what if you have like a, some sort of catastrophic fit? You know, like maybe it just doesn't happen now. But I remember back in the days, sometimes there would be a situation where you crash your bird and then all the magic smoke starts coming out of everything. And then you sprint over there and you yank the battery from the connector and just to make it stop. If it's if it's locked into a tray and then stuck in the helicopter and it's connected and on fire, then what? <laughs> I mean, it's it a depends, good right? So, so in the case of the XL Power Spectre V2 and the Nimbus, you literally pull it from the back. So theoretically, the fire is at the front where the ESC and the motor and the and the battery pack is 
So you pull this little latch out and then you just yank the pack backwards. So I don't think it would be an issue on the XL power models on the raw 420. There's a little latch that you have to flip in the front um, and then pull the pack forward. So maybe there's a little more danger there. Um, (laughs) All right. On to the OMP hobby M2 Evo. This is a 200 size micro helicopter. Uh, Pre-orders are now open at most retailers. Uh, There's a few differences from the previous generation of the OMP Hobby M2, um, which itself had a couple of variations, but uh, at this point, they've now narrowed it down to one model in the future, which will be the M2 Evo. I know uh, OMP Hobby had the M2 Explore and then the M2 kind of version one, although it wasn't officially called that. Anyway, the new OMP Hobby M2 Evo has a slightly larger motor, a slightly longer tail boom, a larger tail rotor and tail motor. Uh, which is also a slightly larger KV, which should help in reducing tail motor noise. Uh, Very similar to the Goose Guy S2, same theory. So the larger tail blade can spin at a lower RPM than the previous generation, which helps, you know, reduce the amount of noise it makes. So less you just stepped on a cat noise. Uh, It also uses the similar larger battery with a simple friction-based system, similar to the Goose Guy S2, where you just slide the pack into kind of a cage. It's got these little... uh, rubber o-ring the retainers that hold the pack in place uh, so it also uses a 3s 750 milliamp battery uh, i do have an omp hobby m2 evo on pre-order so hopefully when it shows up i'll be able to tell you if the goose guy uh, s2 batteries fit the omp hobby m2 they're the same size they're both 3s 750s but they're both obviously very tight tolerances in terms of the size of the pack um, because it's purely a friction fit in both helicopters. I'm assuming they both went with the same size pack, but I shouldn't uh, quite assume that until I've had a chance to test it. Uh, obviously, this you know it limits your battery choices in these micro helicopters to an extent, but I would be shocked if major manufacturers don't release packs that fit both of them, such as Pulse and Maniacs and others. Uh, obviously, these helicopters are becoming a really popular trend in the hobby, so... I'd be shocked if those guys don't release packs for them. However, both OMP and Goose Guy, you know, make their own uh, packs, which are certainly of, of perfect enough quality to uh, uh, to power both of these helicopters without any issues. So I certainly recommend you consider starting there. Uh, so a few other things that are interesting about the OMP M2 Evo. It uh, features a new simpler frame design, a few less parts to break in the event of a crash, uh, fairly streamlined. There's no longer a battery catch and latch to hold the little tray in. You don't need trays on your battery anymore. Um, it's got a slightly larger main rotor. It's up to 190 millimeters uh, right now. So if you put an OMP M2 Evo right next to a Goose Guy S2, they're pretty much the same size. Um, it has a new conventional rotor head design with washout arms, etc., versus the previous DFC type head. And uh, like I said, I've got one of these on the way. So I look forward to uh, offering you a comparison to the Goose Guy S2 in the future. Um, but that's it for M2 Evo news. Uh, no word yet on when they'll actually ship, but hopefully somewhat soon. I know some folks that were at Urcha, uh, Buddy RC had them for sale there and were able to walk on with a few kits. They had a, a short supply there. So hopefully uh, the mainstream supply for the rest of us should ship fairly soon. That'll be super convenient if the batteries fit in both those helicopters. I can't imagine. I mean, looking at, at video of both helicopters, I can't imagine they wouldn't. Um, and honestly, I, I know a few guys, some YouTuber friends of mine have released some comparison videos. They got some early release kits. So really, I should reach out to those folks and ask. But uh, based on the size of the pack, I'm pretty sure they'll be interchangeable. But like I said, I need to confirm that for sure. And I'll report back once I have a chance to. It's cool. OMP is coming out with another version. I think they see yeah. Goose Guy blowing up and they're like, hey, we got to do something here. 
Yeah, no, I think it makes sense. I think, you know, both of those brands have an interest in, uh, you know, continuing to evolve in that space. Certainly, it's been great to see in the microheli space that manufacturers like OMP and Goose Guy and the Mikado Logo 200 have all said like, hey, there's some value here. You know, we really need to innovate in this space. Um, and I think we've come leaps and bounds in that size in the last, you know, 18 months, two years. Um, so it's great to see folks, you know, continue to innovate there. So I look forward to comparing those. Uh, I'm betting both helicopters are both going to be great purchases and you can't go wrong either way. But we'll see what happens when I uh, when I have both in my hands. Yeah, um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on them for sure. Yeah, man. Um, and then the last bit of news here is just that XGuard RC, which is a manufacturer of a variety of widgets and uh, electronics for RRB, has just re-released and has in stock its now updated backplate RPM sensor for nitro helicopters. Uh, this is a sensor that self-calibrates and includes automatic gain control, power buffering, and electrostatic protection. I have no idea what any of this means because I don't fly nitro yet. We'll see if that changes in the future. But the kit includes mounting plates for 91, 105, and 120 engines, as well as the 50 to 55 engines, uh, 50 to 55 size engines, I should say. Uh, these sensors have recently been modified to have a more mechanical adjustment range, which should make it easier to place the sensor on top of the passing crankshaft pin. Also have no idea what that means. But I like XGuard products. I use a lot of their uh, capacitor backups and other innovative products and i just wanted to uh, give them a little love and with that that's it for the news so Devin, you might be able to speak a little bit to this but yes sometimes i feel like they're creating problems that don't exist case in point for years i used a spectrum back backplate sensor never had a problem with it i still do see now i get it a little innovation's awesome but sometimes we have a tendency to try to over-engineer things. True. Is it better? Time will tell. Yeah, only, only experience with it can really tell that, in, in my opinion. I don't really have, you know, with the Spectrum backplate sensor, you just shim it if you need washers or not to yep. get, to get it easy. on the backplate and motor. You plug it in, and if it senses, it senses. If it doesn't sense, you look at it, and you make it sense, or you <laughs> put a new one in. You it's, adjust it? Do whatever you got to do to make it work. Exactly. I never had a problem with it because they seem to be, I don't know, they seem, I've never had a placement issue. Now, who knows? No, me, I mean, is it expensive, Nick? Do we know? Uh, I can find that for you in just a second. The Spectrum backplate sensor, the only thing I've noticed with that is over time, let's say, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a thousand flights, the oil from the nitro gets into well, the sure. board and we'll do that. But sure. that's really not an issue with the spectrum backplate sensor at all. That's an issue with everything. Your servos will do the same thing. Even though they're sealed, they still get oil in them. Exactly. I mean, things on a nitro have a tendency to wear out. I mean, ball links wear out much quicker on a nitro. Yes. Uh, it's just, it's just how it works, right? Yeah. It's you know, just again, part of flying a nitro. Again, not saying that's a bad thing, but maybe, maybe we don't need to be creating problems that don't actually exist. Just, just a thought, take it for what it's worth. You can send your hate mail yeah. to Nick. <laughs> Sometimes simplicity is the best thing. Hey, <laughs> uh, it looks like the X glow pro igniters start at, uh, actually, no, sorry. I'm looking for the backplate center. Sorry. Clicked on the wrong thing there as you were. Oh, come on, Nick. God damn. 
Jesus. You got yes. one job, dude. Cereal. You're supposed uh, to be a professional. $39.95 for the backplate sensor. Okay, so, not, so not, not it's not super expensive. Yeah, it's in comparison. I can't remember. I haven't bought one in a long time, Devin, but I think that the Spectrums were just they're, 29 25 Yeah, they're around that. It's not really yeah. that much of a yeah. price okay, difference. Okay, That's good. Yeah. I was going to really balk at if it was around 50 bucks, and I was going to say, come yeah, on it, now, at guys. At that price? Come on. Just stick with the Spectrum, in my opinion. But at, with what he has it listed for, it's definitely sure. worth trying for sure, sure and seeing what it's all about. I mean, what I'm hearing here is I teach Devin Futaba. Devin builds my Nitro for me and hands it to I, the Bind and Fly. Bind I think that's Does a that great mean idea. broken in and tuned? Sure. Yeah, sounds like that. As long all as right. broken is not the emphasized word there. I, I don't have experience with that. I cannot help you with that, sir. I can't help you with that. I cannot help you with that. Sorry, sir. Uh, I got to end the phone call early, you know. Like, <laughs> I can't help you with that. <laughs> All right, so that's news. Anybody else got news? Rob, you got any news? Devin? Did your balls uh, drop yet, Devin? D- d- um, I think. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, let me check. Yep, they did. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> Rob. I can send you a set of digital calipers if that helps. Oh, or perfect. Some, uh, tweezers and measuring pepper. device. <laughs> tweezers and pepper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> Rob, how about you? Do you got any news? No, all this talk about nitro stuff, all I can think of is I wouldn't want to have to wipe off all of my helicopter every time I fly. Dude, I don't. That's I don't the beauty either. of it. Oh, man, Drink I time. love it. Oh, dude, it's perfect lubrication. Exactly. Oh. That's what I say to everyone that wipes off their nitro. Yeah. I don't wipe it off because it lubes your swash plate, your your links and ev- everything. Everything. You don't even have to put grease on the tail shaft. It'll be smoother after flying it for 30 That's flights right. than it will be putting it together. Oh, I, I agree. Okay. Well, I mean, occasionally you got to clean it, right? You got uh, yeah, it. Yeah. Right? Because the gum but, builds up, but yeah. yeah you, but not, not every, I know. Yeah. Nick Len used to meticulously wipe down his nitros, but Whatever, dude. Not me. No, me neither. Not gone that. Not gone yeah. that. I just want to fly them <laughs> and put them away. All right. I guess that that's news then. Sounds like good news. Yeah, Rob's never going to fly to Nitro. Oh. Yeah. I won't be able to keep it started. I don't know. Maybe. Actually, dude, I have this riding lawnmower that's been running for like 25 years, and I haven't done anything to it but put gas in it. And so <laughs> I haven't even checked the oil ever. No, no. Well, okay. Maybe I've checked those things, you know, but I haven't had to do anything to it. So right. if I could get me into a gasser or a nitro helicopter that is similarly maintenance free, I'm in like Flynn. Those are different, never be flying. very different things. All right. Well, yeah, yeah. to a point. Ugh, guys, we're done with news. Time to move on. Okay. Okay. Moving on. So last week, guys, we had Angel Rojas on, and we had a great interview with him. Uh, we reached out um, to Urcha, and coincidentally, uh, Dan Lucente reached out to Rob roughly about the same time. Yep. That's how that happened, right, Rob? Yeah. Yeah, that's about right. So yeah, Rob and Dan, me. yeah, they mess. They you guys used to know each other back in the day, right? Yeah, yeah. A long yeah. time ago, we used to fly together. So those of you who don't know, uh, Dan Lucente is the president of Urcha, and he was willing to come on and kind of talk about the recent turmoil within Urcha and the hobby. 
So we're going to go ahead and play his interview and we will be back. Alright guys, well here we are with Dan Lucentis. Is, is I pronounce your name right? I've got this thing with pronouncing names. I just never know if I get it right. Did I get it right? Ah, uh, Dan Lucenti. The Lucenti. It's Lucenti. Italian. Obviously you're here uh, to, you are the president of Urcha. I am. We are We're going to talk about that in a bit, but before we get into all that, give us a little bit of history. Tell us about your time in the hobby, what you've done, any affiliations you might have, and all that good stuff. Let us get to know you a little bit. Yeah, so uh, I've been in the hobby since about 2000, so like 22 years now. Uh, I, however, didn't get too involved in helicopters until about the uh, the Raptor 30 and the Raptor 60 and 98 uh, time. Um, but at that time, you know, I was I was young, married, had young kids. I, I couldn't afford a Raptor, so I did build myself a T-Rex 450, the old plastic, black plastic version. That was my first helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, I flew it, and then, of course, you know, everybody gets the MCPX or some of the other Horizon Hobby products, and I flew those. But in uh, 2007, I went to the Urta Jamboree for the first time, and that's what really cemented me, like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go into helicopters. I still fly airplanes occasionally, but helicopters are, are my main hobby. So, yeah, so my first time going to the Jamboree was in 2007. Um, I took a little lapse after that, and then... Due to some life changes in 2012, I had uh, I had a whole bunch of free time right around the time the Jamboree was happening. So I got a hold of uh, the president at the time and asked him if they needed any help prior to the Jamboree. I was gonna I was gonna show up early down in Muncie, and he said, "Yeah, look me up when you get here, and and we'll get going." And that's that's really what started it all with my involvement with the Jamboree. Okay. So I was uh, I was a volunteer for a number of years, and then slowly got brought into the fold of uh, um, let's call it staff, if you will. Uh, I wasn't a board member until 2016. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, how I started in the hobby. It's kind of how I, I started with Urcha. Uh, let's see, currently I fly, uh, I got, I still have a couple old T-Rexes that don't get flown much anymore. They're getting a little dated, but, um, I have a Mikado 550SX, I have a, a couple Synergy E5s that are still flyable, and I still do fly them. Just waiting for the day. Next time I crash them, I probably won't be flying those anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then this year, I got into uh, competing in Nats for the first time. I competed at the uh, uh, U.S. Nationals right before the Jamboree for the first time this year. So I went into that with, uh, with a new helicopter and a new sponsor. So Horizon Hobby graciously sponsored me to fly in the uh, Nats. So I have a XL Power Spectre V2, and uh, it's fully guided by Spectrum technology, all smart technology. They're ESC, fly barless, batteries, radio, of course. And yeah, I'm enjoying it. So the, I, I'm getting hooked on this Nats. It was a lot of practice leading up to it, but not enough, apparently. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to keep practicing. I'll be back there next year. So moving right into it then, um, as we mentioned, you are the president of Urcha. And we're going to go ahead and, you know, obviously the topic at hand is, is uh, kind of working its way through the hobby right now. And, and it all kind of started the day before Urcha when uh, uh, Angel Rojas released a, an article of information, kind of let everybody know allegations of corruption and some other things that happened at Urcha. And you may or may not know, we had Angel on last week. 
we allowed him to kind of tell, you know, his reasonings uh, for doing what he did. And as we mentioned, we reached out and thank you for answering that call. And uh, we're excited to have you here to kind of give us the Urcha side of things and, and to help us understand what's happening, what's going to happen and, and what we as hobbyists can look forward to moving forward with Urcha. So sure. go ahead and, and kind of get going. I know you've got um, a few things you kind of want to say. We're going to let you do that. And when we're done with that, we'll, uh, we'll start asking you some questions. Yeah, perfect. First, I want to start by talking about Angel real quick. And then, um, and then I'm going to go back in time a little further. But, uh, you know, I listened to the podcast last week and I was a little apprehensive going into it because Angel's first blog post was um, controversial. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, sure. However, um, Angel did a great job on the podcast. Uh, Angel stuck to issues that I don't disagree with. Uh, some of the issues he pointed up, and we're going to talk about them instead of me going to it right now. So um, Angel mentioned uh, multiple times that, uh, you know, the board members are his friends, and we are. You know, I see Angel every year at the Jamboree. Uh, I've conversed with Angel outside of the Jamboree via email several times. So he's certainly not a close friend of mine, but I, I would call him more than just an acquaintance for sure. So um, I want to thank you guys and Urcha for keeping that uh, that conversation last week on topic. There was a lot of there was a lot of other things that could have been talked about that didn't really need to be, and we can get into some of them today if you want. Sure. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that's where I wanted to start. So okay. Uh, um. So I'm going to I'm going to go back in time a little bit and uh explain to you how how we got to where we are right now. So as I said, some of the things most of the things that Angel said at least in your podcast are not false. So actually pretty much all of them are not false the things that he talked about. So so how did we get here? Um Charles Anderson was the president of Virtue up until 2019. Uh prior to 2016, he was the vice president of Virtue for Far enough back that I was not involved. I don't know how far back that went. Um, from the years of about 2012 to 2016, all the board members outside of Charles and and Craig Bradley, who is our was was the member at large at the time, so he was a non-voting board member. Um, they all left the organization, and they had their personal reasons. I'm not going to speak to the reasons they they left, but I can say with confidence that uh, some of the uh, actions and attitude by Charles was a big reason for those guys leaving. So that brings us up to about 2016, and we have an organization with without uh, board members. So at that time, as I said during my intro there, I was already pretty involved with the, with the organization as what I'd call staff. Now, let me clear one thing up since I see, use the word staff. Uh, no members of the board... No members of our staff. None of us. None of this is a paid position. There's there's no compensation for what we do. The we do this because we want to see the organization continue. And at that time in 2016, we were really at a point where maybe the organization wasn't going to continue if there wasn't a board. So I volunteered to be on the board along with Char uh, Craig Bradley. I mentioned he said he'd stay on, and then we had. Charles Anderson. So we we called for nominations, and during that call for nominations, we had two open board position members, or two open board positions at that time. And uh, Tim DePerry and Wes Manier were both nominated. They were the only two nominated, and they 
uh, because we had two open board positions that allowed us to do a white ballot. So uh, they were never voted in. There was never a vote because they were the only two nominated. So that's how we got our current board up until 2019. Um, in 2019, uh, the members of the board outside of Charles had a disagreement on how to handle a couple of vendor relations. And it, it, uh, it, it, it came to blows and the four of us board members that were on site in Muncie prior to Charles showing up had to sit down and have a meeting and we removed Charles from the organization. That left us with a second, or that left us with another open board position, but we'll get to that in a bit. So after removing Charles from the organization, there was some discovery process being done. It mainly stemmed from there's some organization assets that that we all take home over the when the jamboree is not happening, things that aren't feasible to store, things like generators where the gas is going to go bad if they're just stored in a storage unit all year, uh, computers, printers, you know, some of the more sensitive electronic items. Um, different board members will will bring them home and store them during the year. So we attempted to uh, arrange for that that those assets to be returned prior to the 2019 jamboree. And that led to a discovery of, of what assets Charles had. So as we started digging through it, there was a discrepancy of about, uh, I don't remember the exact numbers, but let's say $1,500. It was somewhere, not, not a ton of money, but, but a little less. So it, we were questioning Charles about it. And uh, mind you, we're using a mediator at this point. I'm going to keep his name out of this. I don't know if he is comfortable being listed as a mediator, but, uh, Mr. Anderson or Charles, I'll just refer to him as Charles here. Um, he he admitted that that he had some money that he needed to pay back, and like I said, we'll call it fifteen hundred dollars. So in the process of figuring out how he had fifteen hundred dollars, you know, where'd that money, where did he get the fifteen hundred dollars from? We should see that missing out of our bank account or or whatnot. We discovered that Mr. Anderson had a second bank account under his name that he had been using for. Uh, there was some urgent business being conducted out of it, but once we once we downloaded or got a hold of the transaction reports, it was found that that he had been using it for some non urcha business. Uh, that number, uh, by the time we got done tallying it up, was about seventy one thousand dollars. Wow! And it happened over wow. the period of just the few years where he was president. So. Uh, as an organization, you know, we got a fiduciary responsibility to our members and uh, we decided that we needed to recoup that money. We had uh, we had attempted to uh, compromise with Charles, reach a settlement outside of courts, and his uh, his attitude was aggressive. Uh, he was very resistant and threatening, used, used resistant and threatening verbiage. And it was obvious that there was uh, there was to be no settlement, no compromise. So we sought legal advice from early 2020 until July of 2022. Urcho was involved. Urcho was represented by a law firm in Indiana, and we were involved in an active lawsuit against Charles Anderson. Uh, during that lawsuit with Charles Anderson, he represented himself pro se. That's going to be important later when we talk about the, the deposition files. But, but he represented himself pro se, and his entire defense through the through the discovery process and all that was discrediting the organization. Uh, he never once ran on record in his depositions or 
or any of the court filings that he, you know, the things that we could see, uh, he never once uh, denied using that money. He was trying to discredit the organization because if the organization was discredited, then he felt, well, this is my opinion, I should say that if the organization was discredited, he felt that he didn't really steal from anybody, right? So um, during the discovery for the pretrial discovery, so this brings us close to July and we, we have a trial set, a set date on a trial at this point. The, the judge uh, required a number of things to be done in pretrial discovery. And during that process, our lawyers uh, asked Mr. Anderson if uh, he would agree to a financial discovery pretrial, to which he did. Uh, during that financial discovery, it was determined that uh, Mr. Anderson has a a negative net worth. Um, I'm not going to say how, well, I don't know how much, but I'm not going to say if it was big or not because everybody's net worth is, um, is you know, $10,000 to me might not mean the same to somebody else. Right. So, But yeah, he had a negative net worth and he owned absolutely no assets. He's not married. He, he does have a uh, domestic partner, if you will, a, uh, uh, a wife in all, you know, all conditions, but Tennessee where he lives doesn't recognize common law. So, so we're advised by our legal counsel that we should drop the lawsuit uh, and dropping the lawsuit saved us an estimated $15,000 in trial costs. Plus our lawyer agreed to, to write off some of the the outstanding balance as, as pro bono work. So we potentially saved the organization about $25,000 by dropping the lawsuit. Uh, the judge himself recommended this to our lawyer and that's how it got to us. Uh, the judge said the only, the only, oh, the only reasonable outcome of this trial, if uh, Mr. Anderson was to be found guilty, which we had a very high degree of confidence that he would be, uh, would be a civil bankruptcy. So, we decided as a board that it was not worth spending an additional $25,000 or more just to get an ex-president to file bankruptcy. We wouldn't recoup any of that. So, so we dropped the lawsuit. Um, that was shortly before the Jamboree this year that we dropped the lawsuit. Uh, now, okay. we did uh, take another route. While we were at the Jamboree, we met with the Delaware County, which is the county that the Jamboree takes place in. It's the county that Urcha operates business in. Uh, we met with the sheriff's office and there is criminal charges filed against Mr. Anderson now. Criminal charges don't cost us anything. We may not recoup as much restitution, but uh, it, it was the the best outcome as far as uh, the fiduciary responsibility to our members that we could have. So that's kind of how we got where we are. Um, without getting into the things uh, Angel brought up because we will get into those. That's that's more or less how we got where we are. Um, so, yeah. Uh, now, if we want to move into some of the things Angel brought up, like I said, he was he was very factual in his interview. I don't have a whole lot of things that I feel I need to correct, but let's okay. uh, let's talk about the five things that he. Well, let me let me back up a little more. So Angel posted that that blog the Tuesday before Urcher, maybe Wednesday, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And uh, prior to that, there was a website that was posted and it had uh, audio recordings of our depositions on there. So these audio recordings of the deposition are not public record. 
Um, Mr. Anderson, as I said, I told you earlier, he was representing himself pro, he was representing himself pro se and that would come into play here. So he was allowed to record the audio depositions for his use as his own legal counsel. Uh, however, they were protected or they were covered under a protective order along with some of the documents on that other website. And releasing those documents um, was a violation of the protective order. The Mind you, it's a protective order that Mr. Anderson asked for and agreed to because he didn't want some of the things we had to come out. Um, that protective order is a big reason why, you know, Angel, Angel questioned on why this lawsuit has been going on for so long without public knowledge. Um, like I said, the, the lawsuit is public record. Uh, I have a case number. You know, I could send it to you guys. You can put it in the show notes if you'd like. Sure. Um, yeah, it is public record, and uh, that doc, those documents were available to everybody. But the undocumented proceedings that were behind the scenes were covered under this protective order requested and approved by Mr. Anderson. So that's the reason that the general public has not heard a statement from us regarding where this money had went. So the information on that first website, which much of Angel's first blog is based off of, um, had to be released by Mr. Anderson or somebody that Mr. Amber Anderson provided uh, impermissible recordings and protected documents to. Um, so that that clears up one small little issue with what I said, what I had that Angel okay. talked about. And I don't, I don't think Angel's lying. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't feel that he was lying at all. But uh, he made it sound like he had dug a lot of this stuff up over the years that those allegations and those audio recordings that were in his first post, uh, unless he was provided those documents by Mr. Anderson uh, some time ago, those would not have been available for him to research. So yeah, okay. uh, that just plays a little bit to the timing of, of this whole thing. Um, it's, it's my belief that, that Charles provided those documents to Angel as a, a backhanded way to to stir the pot and if if that's the case that's the case so uh i can't speak to how angel got those documents and i'm not going to um i'm not going to try to do that uh all i would like to do is go on record and say that the only person that would have access to him was mr anderson so okay so yeah um thursday morning at the jamboree we woke up to having this blog post and uh we approached angel right away that morning um, in a non-threatening way and asked him if he would, uh, if he would sit down and chat with us. Uh, he was initially reluctant and he spoke to some of his reasons why. So, um, I don't necessarily fault him for that, but he ultimately did sit in the trailer and have a conversation with us. Uh, during that conversation, there was five things that Angel pointed out that was the outcome. We talked about a lot of things, but five things that really mattered to the information that he was putting out. Um, Urcha is not in a good standing organization. Uh, as right. far as our, our state standing, our, our 501c4 status, uh, that is true. Uh, the original URCHA, the International Radio Controlled Helicopter Association, uh, was dissolved back in 2013. That is true. Uh, there was another organization called URCHA Inc. that was created. That is true. However, that URCHA Inc. organization was created 
uh, by Mr. Anderson without the knowledge of any other board members. So we do not recognize Urcha Inc. as a valid organization. During our pre-trial um, proceedings, if you will, uh, we were advised to renew that Urcha Inc. Uh, just to prevent somebody else from renewing it. So it is still current, but we do not operate under that. Uh, none of us are listed as board members on that. It's, uh, it's as defunct as, as any organization could be. So we have been in the process. Well, that's, this is point one that, that, uh, that Angel said came out of that meeting. And uh, what we're going to do about point one is fix the organizational status. We have been in process of that for years. And we're, we're nearing the finish line. Uh, there's a lot of uh, IRS hoops and state hoops, and you got to do some things to appease the state before you can go to the IRS, and some things have to be done at the IRS before you can appease the state. So it's been some hoops, but we are jumping through those hoops, and we're getting there. Um, it's not going to happen in two weeks, like like Angel suggested. That was a misunderstanding with Augie. Um, Augie thought we were just going to register a new organization. It's not what us as a board want to do. Um, Augie was going to help us register a new organization, which would have been much quicker, but we want to bring back the Urcha that we all know and love. Um, even though it's just a name, it, it means something to me. You know, Don Chapman started it and, uh, it, it, it means something to us. So we want to keep that. So that's where so, we sit with point one. Can I just um, ask two. a quick question here? So just yeah, to be go clear, ahead. The, the organization you're trying to bring back, is that the 501c4 or c3? So yeah, it's a five hundred one c four, which is a yeah, it's a five hundred one c four, which is a social organization. In particular, we're trying to bring back the one that was dissolved in two thousand thirteen, and it's titled the International Radio Controlled Helicopter Association. So, um, I guess since we had a stopping point there, any other questions before I move on? Not really. We're gonna we're gonna come back to some of this stuff. I just kind of sure. want to let you you know kind of tell your story, and then uh, we'll circle back to some of these okay. some of these topics. Perfect. So the second point that, that uh, Angel uh, brought out was elections. So I touched on how the board members we currently have got elected, if you will. And, you know, it's all semantics. We're reelected if there wasn't a, a vote, you know, define election. Um, like I said, we, we had white ballots because there wasn't nominees. Uh, we did have a election in 2020 for Robert Monty, uh, and we had three nominees that year, so we had a voting election. Um, and we will replace, Robert Monty has since resigned, and we will have elections for, for board member positions after the organization gets fixed. There's there's no, there's nothing to hide there. I mean, that's a, that's our intention all along, so. Okay. Uh, clear and open accounting. So Angel owns a business. Angel might have a different idea of what clear and open accounting is, and if we can get somebody like Angel on board to help us with that, I'm perfectly fine with putting out every penny we spend and every receipt. Uh, but ultimately, with the current workload our our board has, it, it's not something that's that's feasible for a current board. We do, however, have um, jamboree expense and, and and profits, and those are posted on our website. We have one for the 2020 jamboree and the 2021 jamboree. Uh, anything prior to that, we don't have. Uh, Mr. Anderson retained all those records when, when we removed him from office, and we never received any of that back. So, yeah, on our website under the legal section, the 
2020 and the 2021 uh, Jamboree expenditures and profits are listed on there. And it's, it's, uh, it's down to the penny. It's, it's how much, you know, BK Hobbies paid to be there and how much uh, I spent in fuel to get to the event. It's everything's there. So um, as I said, there, there's room for improvement there. You know, if, if Angel as a business owner uh, thinks our county needs to have more steps to it, then by all means, help us out and let us, let, let us get there. Um, let's see, number four, Angel agreed to blog about the process. I think both his blog and him coming on the show and, you know, appeases to, to that agreement. And then number five was we agreed to not compel Angel to remove the original post. Uh, this was not an immediate uh, agreement between everybody in the trailer that time, that day. Um, most of that post, as I said before, was based on, on information from depositions performed by a defendant who is representing himself pro se for the misappropriation of 71 some thousand dollars. So if you think about that for a moment, how one-sided do you think uh, the questions and answers in that deposition are going to be? Because it was such one-sided information and because the information didn't include anything from, from the Charles Anderson deposition, we initially wanted him to remove at least the allegation side of the post. Um, however, he, he brought up a point, a good point, saying if he removed them, it would look like we strong-armed, strong-armed him into doing it and we're trying to hide something. So after he brought up that point, we all agreed that they could stay and we would address uh, uh, those allegations on an individual basis as needed. Angel has blogged a couple more times. Um, and other than that discrepancy on how long he thinks things will take or how long he thought things will take, I'm sure once he realizes that uh, Augie's estimation, estimation on time was based on a different process, uh, he will he will understand the difference there. So okay. the... Um, yeah, I think that brings us pretty current. So, excellent. Yeah, uh, I got some more notes here, but we can move into the next phase. If there's something I yeah. want to bring up, I'll, I'll do it afterwards. So, so. I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Yeah, and I don't want to. I want to dwell a little bit, I guess, on on what has happened in the past. I mean, that's a big part of of what you just told us, and we know that obviously there somewhere somehow there was. Uh, a bad apple, right, within. But one question that just burns right at the top of my thought process is, how is it that one person for so many years could potentially be misusing funds from an organization without the whole organization knowing about it? And if the organization knew about it, aren't those members just as culpable from a fiduciary standpoint as the uh, offending individual? Um, I, I can agree with your statement that if we had known about it, then yeah, we'd be just as guilty. Um, we did not know about it. Charles was, was uh, acting as the president and treasurer during the, the years where we didn't have a complete board. Um, Charles stated to us multiple times that he had a, he had a sister that was a, uh, a CPA or something along that line. I don't know if she was actually a CPA and that, that she was, she was handling things on the background. And occasionally we'd see some stuff from that on the, on the uh, bank account in Muncie that all of us had were privy to. So, you know, I, 
I think back to, and I'm like, how, how did $71,000 uh, disappear without anybody seeing it? And I, I wish I had a great answer on it, but I, I do have a couple of small um, points, things that I saw over the years that now that you see it, it's like, oh, wow. So um, Charles, we used to do the Toledo show and we did the AMA show, uh, both the East and West. Um, and Charles used to always put hotel, he put the hotel rooms for the Jamboree and the, the shows, he'd always put them on his personal credit card because he got rewards points. And he was, he was um, clear with us about that. He's like, hey, I'm going to put on my personal credit card. I get rewards and I get discounts. So it saves us some money. Oh, sounds great, Charles. What we didn't realize is that personal credit card was his other account that was funded by Urcha Money. So that's that's one example, but then that brings up the question: Well, how did how did Urcha funds get into this account? Um, it is my belief, and there's no way I can prove this, but it is my belief that Charles used to handle almost all the vendor relations while he was while he was uh, the president. Even when he was the vice president, he was pretty much in charge of vendor relations. Um, I believe Charles was putting different invoices to the rest of us than he was to vendors. Um, I know that he had a, some kind of web payment system for doing international money transfers. And he was, he was clear to us about that too. So um, like Scorpion's a perfect example. They always pay with an international money transfer. And I, I, I believe that the amount of money he was telling vendors to pay did not match what he was telling us we were getting in from them. Uh, our solution to to that, you know, since we brought it up, is we have a clear and concise uh, sponsor agreement right now. And we don't, I mean, sure, occasionally there's a late fee or something that somebody asks us to waive, but we don't, we don't deviate from that, uh, from that contract. It's, it's the same contract for everybody. It costs the same for uh, OMP to come to the Jamboree as it does for gas-powered helicopters, provided they pick the same support level, so... So that was our solution to that. Uh, however, I do not believe that was what was happening while Charles was was in charge. And again, that uh, that I can't prove that. That's that's what I think where most of that money was coming from. Just for some context, I want to I want to make sure I understand the bylaws that Urch is operating under were set in two thousand and six. This I will bring them up right now just to confirm that. Um, they are on our website under that legal tab. Right. And while you're looking that up, just so there's a, just hopefully to clear up some confusion, because I hear talk of two sets of bylaws. The second set of bylaws were in this otherwise unrecognized entity that um, Charles made. Uh, and those bylaws are not recognized. So we're not referencing those bylaws at all when we talk about the uh, operational aspects of Urcha. That's correct. correct we are not. Okay. Yep, that, is, that is correct. So, so yes, the bylaws that we currently operate under were dated October 8th, 2005. 2005. Um, the, the bylaws that Mr. Anderson provided, um, they were, I think they were dated 2000, like May something, 2019. However, we never saw those bylaws until the day of our depositions. He threw them at us during our depositions. So when they actually got created, I couldn't tell you. Uh, we never saw them back then. We never knew that Urcha Inc. existed until after after uh, 
Charles was removed from the organization and we worked, we started work on fixing our status. I want to so, get, yeah, I wanna... the, the 2019 bylaws, we do not recognize them. Okay. Before you were elected as president to Urcha in 2018? Yes. After, after Charles was removed from the organization, okay. we restructured the existing board members and then had a open position that we held an election for. So I want to get uh, into the election stuff in a bit, but before we get that far, were were you actively involved in the Urcha board prior to 2018 when? when uh, Yes. Yeah, I I was, uh, because Charles was was acting as treasurer while he was president, we didn't have a treasurer spot. So there was two vice presidents to the organization at that time. So uh, they're just they're just titles, right? But um, um, they are titles, but they serve a very important purpose. And in in regards to Article Eight, Section B, there seems to be a uh, which is uh, expenses uh, executive the expenses in the executive fund. There seems to be a pretty significant conflict of interest because the treasurer and the president. Uh, work together to create the annual budget, plus the treasurer then takes care of all expenditures, uh, operational expenditures. As a board, that feels like that's a pretty significant conflict of interest. Did anybody, I mean, did anybody uh, address that issue? Um, I'm going to go on the record and say no, we didn't. Um, Okay. Again, that's fair enough. Yeah, I'm I mean, going to defend it a little bit about the fact that we all are volunteers. No, we I put get a that. Fair amount of time into the jamboree, and at that point when Charles was president, um, with the board that came before him being president leaving, we had a bit of a mess to clean up, and it was one sure. less thing to worry about if if uh, if Charles was was handling the expenses. And as I said, he was open and clear with the account that that we thought was the main account. We all had access to it. We could watch the account. He was open and clear with that. So it's not like we weren't keeping tabs on him. It's just the, he did a lot of no, things I, behind the scenes that we couldn't see. But yes, um, it would have been a conflict of interest. And in hindsight, we shouldn't have allowed it. I, I'll sure. admit that. And I'm not, I'm, and just so you, I'm not trying to put you on the defensive. I'm just asking questions that I feel a lot of people might want to know. I mean, sure. Um, you know, obviously our goal here is to figure this out and move forward. So just bear with me as we, as we work our way through some of these questions, some of them might not be too comfortable, but we'll, you know, again, we're not, I'm not here to judge anybody, you know, um, we just kind of want to understand what's happening and, and what can we do to move forward. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the election process within Urcha. So you were elected to president of Urcha in 2018, as we talked about. Who elected you? Um, I was not elected to president. I was I was elected to the board a few years before that um, okay. as a vice president. Okay. Um, and that was one of those white ballot elections I was speaking about where okay. we needed board members. You- I, I nominated myself at the time and, and nobody else nominated. So, Can you give us a been- definition of white... Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, a white ballot is is when you have one position or two positions and one person running or two positions or two persons running. Okay. So in uh, under Robert's rule of order, a white ballot would be um, 
you, you don't it, a blank ballot. That's where the t- term comes from. You don't need to vote because you only have the one position or the one uh, nominee. So that so, would have been, if I recall, 2015 when okay. uh, our previous treasurer left that I got brought onto the board. And at that time, it was as member at large, actually, as the um, – oh, that's when I got brought on the board. And then Tim and Wes were brought on the board the following year, the following year or the year after. Again, all these documents, the, the minutes and stuff from any of these meetings back then – uh, were retained by Charles, and they no longer exist. Well, they probably exist, but we no longer have access to them. Don't have access to them, right. How does, so you mentioned there were just a few nominations. How are the nominations handled? I mean, how is it a, how do you guys get nominations for any particular office? Uh, at that time, or like the 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 2019 election I can speak to because I was involved in that process. Uh, we put a call out on Facebook for nominees okay. on our, on our Facebook page. It's a membership organization. Is there not a way to query the membership to find out who they would potentially want representing them in this, in this SIG? Um, I mean, I, I, I guess that, I don't feels... understand your question. I mean, we have, we have email lists and stuff, but um, you know, in our experience doing mass mailings to members ends up in the, in the spam Doesn't... folders. Okay. So um, yeah, uh, Facebook is our primary means of communication to members. Can you explain to me the ambassador, Urcha ambassador program? Uh, Urcha ambassadors are, are people that we have selected to help us with, with duties. Um, we have a Urcha ambassador that keeps track of our event calendar. We have Urcha ambassador that does our, our, uh, newsletter that pub, uh, edits our newsletter. We have, five or six ambassadors that are part of our Jamboree setup crew. Are these, these folks are just uh, volunteers that for one reason or another, they just happen to be around or, you know, they, they're big supporters or how, how does, how does one become an ambassador? Um, There's an application right on our website to become an ambassador. However, the, most of the ambassadors uh, are people who have been helpful during the Jamboree or who have approached us asking, how can you, how can I help? Okay. Uh, it'd be nice if more people would, would stand up and do that. <laughs> I feel like that's a good program. Yeah, definitely. Can you, can you tell us the elections uh, that are, I'm assuming that you guys are planning on doing some elections uh, moving forward. If you look at, for example, Heli Freak, I mean, there's a pretty big threat. I don't know. I know a lot of people don't necessarily do the forums anymore, but there's a, there's a pretty big thread and there's a lot of folks that are calling uh, for elections, re-elections, or at least nominations for people to kind of come in and, and potentially help. Is that on the horizon? And if so, how are you guys, are you guys looking to handle that a different way this time around? Maybe each somehow, I don't know how you do, I don't have a solution. I'm just kind of asking, is there a, a nomination process that, that might produce more results, I guess? Um, well, um, what, what, what Angel did is certainly probably going to produce more results for a nomination process. Um, (laughs) you know, and especially if the, if the momentum keeps going, um, that, that will certainly help. But, uh, you know, as of right now, if our organization were to be corrected in time, um, we will have open nominations from December 1st to January 1st. Uh, you can nominate yourself or anybody uh, by contacting any Urcha board member or uh, emailing us through via our website. 
well, I mean, you can email us directly or any of the website links to info at or whatever. So, Angel brought up the fact that you guys are going to be looking at a um, independent election website or third party. I don't know the details yeah, behind I that. I have no but... problem using something like that. Uh, okay. The previous election that we did, we still had uh, our old website, which had some voting capabilities. Uh, we don't have that anymore. Uh, it was an old crappy Drupal site, if anybody knows anything about I do. Web's, I remember web design. That. Yes. Um, and it succumbed to some kind of attack um, well, quite a few years ago now. And uh, we just we just created a new website. It was We got the data back, but the website was pretty much toast. So, um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to using one of these publicly available uh, election systems, um, especially if it's going to appease people so they can't, uh, you know, say we rigged any kind of voting. I think there's some real concern amongst hobbyists that, well, let's face it, I've heard it over the years, Urcha, especially from the leadership, and, and please don't take offense to this, but it's kind of like the good old boys club. I'm sure you've heard that reference yourself over the years, right? Um, I don't. I, I've heard that. Um, I would like to remind you that the current board uh, didn't exist in the way that it is now until 2019. So, um, and you guys mentioned this during the end of your last episode too, that, that a lot of these issues date back prior to the current leadership. So I just want to reiterate that as you, uh, as you make the good old boys club statement. Sure. So. And I get that, but I also think it's important to consider the damage that has been done and it's, you know, perception is reality right now. Unfortunately, there's not a good perception. In fact, I would venture to say there's a fair amount of distrust in the board's ability to reconstitute itself. Nobody wants Urchie to go away. It's, it's a major part of our hobby. Everybody looks forward to it. I would even venture to say that even though numbers are down due to various reasons, whether it be COVID or whatever the reason may be, I still think that enough energy and enough excitement is generated around Urcha that the companies that are investing in Urcha by showing up are still getting their money out of it just through social media, through all of the continued uh, coverage, uh, personal posts, you know, everybody consumes media around Urcha. They do. And I mean, I, I even think, mentioned statistics. Uh, you know, let me just interject real quick. Um, I think that's a, that's a contributing factor into why your numbers are, are lower than they used to be because you can consume so much of our event on Facebook. You don't have to come to the event. Um, you know, it's an unfortunate reality of, of social media. You know, more and more people are staying home and consuming their entertainment virtually. Yeah, I wouldn't deny that that's, that's an issue, but I'm also not going to overlook the fact that a lot of people have basically over the years said, yeah, I'm just done with all the bullshit, you know? Um, and, you know, going back in the hobby 10 years, 15 years, we've heard there's always been rumblings about mismanagement at Urcha, um, so on and so forth really no substantiation. Obviously this brings kind of a whole new light on it, but you know, what's important I think from the hobby standpoint is to really understand what, what can be done to re-energize 
the base of, you know, the, the hobby itself, uh, uh, consumers of people who like to go to Urcha. Um, I, I myself am one of those. Love it. But how do we, you know, how does the organization moving forward, how is it going to repair those issues? You know, obviously we talked about transparency and you mentioned you would love, you have no problem with that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's and, why and, I'm here. So Yeah, absolutely. And we appreciate yep. you being here and, and thank you so much for that. But uh, again, maybe, I don't know if you have uh, some talking points or you can outline or maybe you guys even had, haven't even really had a chance to digest and understand what it is moving forward your your plans are. But can you kind of talk a little bit about, you know, you as the president, what you would like to see happen to kind of regain the Urcha momentum? Um, yeah, that wasn't necessarily something I was prepared to talk about, but I, I can speak to that a little bit. Um, so it, the 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 momentum. I think it's still there. I just don't think it's it's what it used to be. And to be completely honest with you, the current board that we have now isn't entirely interested in doing a 13, 1400 pilot jamboree. Uh, we have much more focus on the competition side now, and we have much more focus on the grassroots side. I, I attend several... Urcha, or I mean non-Urcha events during the year, St. Louis Whirly Birds, the uh, Otana 3D Fest, and a few others. And I, uh, I generally throw a little sponsor from Urcha to those events for, to help them drive uh, pilots coming up. So uh, our focus is not only the Jamboree, and that's that's a that's something that that got ingrained in people in 2012 through 2015 maybe that urcha is the jamboree we're not just the jamboree we do a lot of other stuff and our our board's current focus or our current board's focus is to bring some light to to some of that other stuff we do you know we resurrected the ppp program jc zankel's been helping us out with that that's his ambassador role you know what are we doing going forward yeah i'd like a bigger jamboree than we've had the last few years obviously covid played factor into a lot sure. of it. And I hate to use the term fun fly, but I think the general pilot at the Jamboree is happier because they can do more flying. They can do a little bit more of the, the socializing with, with the friends that they see once a year, instead of constantly being, being, you know, herded up to center stage to see what the next power hour is. And I, I feel that we've, we've, developed a pretty decent balance and COVID is a little bit to blame for that because it brought our, our attendance down. But with vendors, I think, I think we're at a pretty decent balance with the number of vendors or at least sponsors, sponsors that take up center stage and stuff. And I, I'm, I myself am happy with where the Jamboree is. I'd like to see some more pilots, but I'm happy with where the current structure of the Jamboree is and the, more of a fun fly versus a trade show feel that we've had the last four years or so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I think that's a perfectly valid vision for Urcha. I do know the last year I went and I cannot remember the year it was. Uh, 2014. I was on the show. Oh, were you on the show? Yeah. (laughs) Was it it that long ago? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Getting old. Uh, no, it was, it, it was fun. It was, um, 
it was an experience. It was a pilgrimage. And I've talked about that many times. And that's one thing that I think Urcha has going for it. Uh, you know, here on the, on the East coast, it's a little easier, it's a little closer, but the, for the West coast guys, it's, it's like that pilgrimage, right. And everybody talks about how they're going to try to make it to Urcha this year. I would love to see that enthusiasm again. I'd love to hear pilots from the West coast talking about that 25 hour drive to Urcha and how awesome it's going to be. And I'm going to take a week and a half off from work and, and just go have a good time. And, um, it, you know, I'm not going to lie. I did have a bit of a trade show feel to it. But it was, a, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed that because it allowed us to meet and talk with a lot of vendors, a lot of manufacturers that, um, you know, otherwise we just kind of make fun of occasionally, you know, we don't really get a chance to actually meet them, get to know each other. Yeah, I, so I, I did enjoyed enjoy it back aspect. then too, but we're at a different, different phase of where RC Helis are right now. Yeah. You know, in 2014, uh, everybody was coming up with a new fly bar system that they had to show off. Yeah, uh, yeah. Battery technology was not in its infancy back then, but it certainly isn't what it was now, what it is now. And so every year there was always something big and vendors saved it for the jamboree. And not that there isn't still innovation in the hobby, but we're at a point right now where, you know, yeah, SAB comes out with a new airframe every Thursday, I think it is, right? Isn't that their release day? Um, <laughs> that's our CHN release day <laughs> um, but uh, you know airframes are great I love it I love new airframes but there's not a lot of technology changes happening right now and actually you know I pick on SAB there but they're they're one of the one of the big innovators in the hobby right now um so because of that the the hobbies change you know also the way vendors deal with their products has changed there was a time when Pulse Batteries would be a sponsor or at least an uh, exhibitor at the event. And, you know, Mania X would have been. But now those people are enveloped underneath their U.S. distributor. So instead of Mania X being a sponsor, Mania X comes with Mikado USA or Pulse comes with Heli Direct or, you know, Bavarian Demon comes with Aeropanda. Uh, right. Because of the way that the U.S. distributorship has changed so much over the last 10 years. Uh, right. It's changed how many vendors are really even available to us. And, you know, I'll eat some crow. There's there's some vendors that didn't like the way they were treated with some old leadership, and they don't want to come back. Sure, we know some of them. We still talk to them. Some of that has to be cost-effectiveness, though, right? If there's, there's 350, 400 pilots there, it just makes more sense to pull everyone under the same sort of, you know, cost umbrella uh, versus when there's 1,400 pilots there or 1,200 in the heyday. And, you know, you've, there's, there's more benefit to separating. It right. Out. Yeah. So what, which, what, what came first, right? The chicken or the egg did, did the vendors change the way they show their product or did the pilot count change because of the way the vendors show their product? I, I don't know what came first. I can't speak to that, but they're, they're both, you know, contributing factors. For sure. Uh, one of the questions I asked Angel, um, was about what his vision for the future of Urcha might be or what he would like to see, you know, happen in the next few years or sort of a, a progress tract. So I'll ask you the same question. What do you see as the future of Urcha? What would you like to see improve? And most importantly, what would you like to see the community of pilots help you with in the future? Sure. Um, you know, we, we touched on that a little bit in Dan's question that I wasn't prepared for, but, uh, um, you know, what, I would like to see the current 
the current balance that we have at the Jamboree to stay. Uh, I, I, I like when pilots can go fly without waiting in 10 people deep lines. Um, I like when vendors are not stressed to get up to center stage and do this and do that and have time to spend with people. However, on that same token, I like a higher pilot count. The more people, the more fun it is, right? So um, I think we're on a good path as far as how we handle the jamboree right now. Um, so in the, the, the short-term future, uh, we want to fix these things that Angel brought up like we talked about. We've already been working on those. Uh, we got Urcha West coming up this spring um, in California. So we'll see what that brings. And, you know, maybe we can expand even further than that, but it's it's got to be one step at a time. So we'll see how this Urcha West goes. Cool. Well, I certainly want to echo what Dan said and, and say, you know, thank you for coming on the show. We appreciate your transparency. Uh, this is a great step towards that. And uh, continue to welcome you on the show whenever you have news to share or updates about events or want to promote, you know, the next Urcha. Uh, you know, by all means, always feel welcome here. Sure. Thank you. Dan, I've got one more potentially tough question for you. Okay. Um, now, according to the AMA SIG requirements and URCHA bylaws, these are the 2006 bylaws, biannual elections are required of the board. And you guys have been, the board itself has been there since 2018, 19. Is it time to rework the board absolutely if we get nominations i hear you yeah we got okay. we got no problem um you know okay i'm gonna i don't want to speak for the other board members so i'm gonna take my myself here sure um, if if i don't get reelected, coming up in december if that's when we run the next election here if our, our organization status is fixed by then that doesn't mean i'm giving up on urcha uh it certainly doesn't mean i'm giving up on the jamboree there's uh i'm gonna I'm going to gloat a little bit here. There's a lot of stuff that happens at the Jamboree that wouldn't happen without me. Um, I've been an integral part in the setup, like pre-Jamboree setup for since 2013, really. And, uh, you know, if, if I were to be not voted in, the guy who replaces me can't do it. I mean, you'd be starting from square one, right? Uh, right. We have documentation that would help out. We got, I got a little guideline and stuff so you'd find out the vendors that we use and the you know all that would still be there so so yeah i i don't disagree that it's it's time that we hold an election for the people but we have to have nominations to do that right. if we don't have Absolutely. nominations and the four of us that currently are doing it all still want to do it then you know we're back to the white ballot yeah i i hear you and i understand that i um it's just a pertinent question i thought i i should get out before we ended the interview um, again, you know, we, we are on Urch's side. Uh, we, you know, as avid enthusiasts of RC helicopters, you know, we want nothing but the best for the hobby. Uh, whatever shape or form that comes in. And we, you know, we want to do our part in whatever limited way we can as a podcast that focuses on RC helicopters to assist with that. And I think one important step is to really get an understanding. And this is kind of a call to action, I guess, is get an understanding of how Urch is going to handle nominations. And let's, you know, we, you know, we as a podcast can encourage folks that, that 
are inclined to do so to actually involve themselves in that process and it, you know and potentially really help out because we all want the jamboree we all want urcha but man is it a lot of work and it like is you said, and, the, and the pay is horrible <laughs> you know speak, speaking to this topic um, we talked about the ambassador program earlier. You know, one of our intentions of starting the ambassador program was to start bringing people into the fold. Uh, that's how actually how Robert Monty got interested in being a board member when he was elected. He was an ambassador first. So if anybody's interested in helping, but you feel, oh, you know, I don't got time to commit to being, you know, a treasurer or whatever we're asking for. I don't got the time to do a board meeting once every two weeks. Uh, hit us up. Be an ambassador. You know, sure. uh, call out to Angel. Angel wants to help. Um, and Angel is an ambassador already. But Angel, if you want to help, uh, help us with these, what do you call them, P&L statements? I don't, I'm not a business owner. So, um, yeah, by all means, you know, I know, Dan, you mentioned in the interview with Angel that there's been a lot of call or offers for help that fell on deaf ears in the past. That That doesn't happen anymore. So, Okay. I'm not going to say we don't offer or we don't uh, occasionally miss a message. Sure. sure. But uh, yeah, if, if somebody wants to help, we're going to find something for them to do. I, something as simple as getting a hold of food vendors before the jamboree, that takes so much off my plate if I can pass that to somebody else. Yeah, I get that. So, so yeah, if you don't think you have time, you know, in this, in this time where we're going to obviously be going through some changes, if you don't think you have time, but you want to be part of it, offer some help. If uh, sure. you want to be an ambassador, we'll take that. If you don't even want the title of ambassador, but, uh, you know, we got those mugs we sell on our website. We had an Urcha member say, hey, I got a laser machine. I can make those mugs for you probably cheaper than you get them. There we go. You know, offers like that, we'll, we'll take them all day long. Sure. All righty, Dan. Well, we've had you about an hour. That's kind of what we were targeting. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. And uh, we look forward to see how this all plays out. And feeling pretty positive about it, to be honest with you. I really hope that things come together. I mentioned, and I don't mean to beat a dead horse, but this there is a, a bit of a negative feeling. I, I hope that subsides. A little bit of transparency, I think, is going to go a long ways, and I think you guys are well aware of that. Thanks for having me on, and you know, thank you guys for being impartial. Uh, especially with the first interview with, with Angel. You guys could have grilled him all day long, on, or, or me for that matter, on, on these, frankly, bogus allegations. And I really didn't want to come on the show and talk about a bunch of them. Oh, I get that. If if somebody, you know, any of your listeners, if, if anybody has any direct concerns about an allegation, shoot me an email. I'll uh, send Dan my email address. He'll put it in the show notes. Well, I should ask you if you'll do that. Sure, I can do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if, if you have a direct question about one of these allegations, if you feel something, one of these allegations uh, affects you personally, I'll, I'll respond to them. So that was Dan. What'd you guys think? That was a pretty insightful interview, I think. Pretty important. I think so, too. Yeah, I, I, so too. I agree. He added to a lot of the points that Angel made on, on episode two, and cleared some of the waters between his points and added some new ones and went into more detail and really summed everything up to a point. I think, you know, it, it was definitely a step towards transparency, which I really appreciated. You know, it's, it's something that both Angel and, and myself would like to see more in the organization. 
I, I definitely want to thank, you know, Dan and Urcha for, for making that happen right away instead of waiting. Uh, I think that was great. And that's a, definitely a step in the right direction. Uh, you know, and I, and I hope they come through on, on kind of, you know, the initial direction they're proposing. You know, we're going to see what happens. I hope that we'll hear from Dan, you know, again in the future and uh, hear a little more about the positive direction Urcha is hopefully going. Yeah, I agree. And I do think, you know, I mentioned in the interview and I talked about kind of the the sentiment that I'm noticing. Well, I mean, mostly on the Helifreak thread, those of you who ha- aren't aware, I know not a ton of people hang out on Helifreak anymore, but there is still a relatively active group there. Um, and there's, there's, there's a bit of negativity uh, concerning, you know, what did current board members know? Why didn't they do anything about it? And, you know, we asked... Dan those questions. We asked him about some potential conflict of interest and I think he answered them fairly. If he didn't have the answer or he thought that, you know, maybe it was a good point, he, he would straight up let us know that was a good point. And no, we didn't do this. And maybe we should have looking back. And and I you know that that, as you mentioned, Nick, is a great indicator of some transparency that we hope to see. I would have liked to get it, I would have liked to have gotten a bit of a bigger or maybe a better explanation of how they plan on holding the elections. I don't, I wasn't quite satisfied with the Facebook answer that he gave when it comes to informing membership of potential nominees or how to get nominees. But at the same point, you know, he, he did mention that the mailers, you know, that just ends up, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't, I don't have the answer, but I don't think that Facebook is the way to do it. I I don't know. Here's what I think about that. And again, I'll echo kind of what you guys said. I mean, after speaking with Dan and after speaking with Angel, especially more so after speaking with Dan now, are just dealing with a kind of a clusterfuck and they're getting there, trying to get their shit together and trying to work through it. And it's like, you know, when I'm at work, sometimes I have to tell a customer, you know, you got to pull the car over to change the brake sometimes, right? And they, when they ask me, why is your internet down and we're doing maintenance or something, right? Well, something like Urcha, you can't really just, you know, he said it himself. He, the options at that time when they had to start making changes before Charles was out, um, they were faced with, is there even going to be an Urcha next year unless people just step up and start doing something? Is it better than nothing, right? And so, I mean, I think... Um, you know, we kind of touched on this in the last episode. Sometimes the back end is uh, a little farther along than the front end, meaning the public per- perception or the public knowledge of what's happening is going on, right? And I mentioned as we were talking near the end last time, you know, sometimes if you're in trouble and you don't say anything, it doesn't help get you out of trouble. And I think hearing, you know, the things that Dan had to say, I mean, he more than once he was asking for help right there in the interview talking about, yeah, we definitely, let's do it, you know? Um, so I think it's, this is a great time. Urch is just wrapped up. Um, it's a great time for folks to start to redouble their efforts, you know? And if there is an election coming up, if they get things together and there's an election coming up, you know, another thing that I'm kind of heavy in at my work is uh, public relations, right? The PR side of it. And, you know, that's just something that, and I think we've learned that there's just not the resources available, but that's just not something that's been on the front mind, I think, at Urcha. You know, yeah, sure, there's there's stuff on the website. 
there's information a person could go on a like a, a quest to find to learn about how to be involved. But if the PR side of Urcha was to start doing more public relations about Urcha itself, advertising it as an organization, what it is now and how you can help those kinds of things, that would be a great first step. You know, they're already working on getting the back end things worked out and asking for more help. But my, I guess, advice might, what I could add, try to add value to this would be that if we saw more posts right now, it's Facebook. It seems like where everybody's gravitating for helicopters. If we saw posts from Urcha about Urcha and its process and the board, you know, here's voting is coming. This is what we do for the community. Do you want to be a part of that? You know, Urcha West is coming. Who wants to come be a volunteer? Who wants to be an ambassador? I don't see a lot of that speak at all, really. When I first got in the hobby, I went on a quest and looked for it because I was so interested in it. Like you said, Dan, you paid in and you did all these things. I never paid my, I never joined and paid um, just because it always felt so far away from what I could attain, I guess. I don't know, but that's my, I guess that's my two cents on this whole thing. Helicopters are great. Urcha's a great organization. They're going through some shit. And now that people out there know about it and they know that the energy is good, it's on us to help. I think you're a thousand percent right, man. I, you know, their social media reach, I think, needs to improve. Um, but I, but I think, you know, what we need to remember is that it's a very small group of people. They're doing a ton. Putting on an event is extremely difficult. It takes thousands of hours of work. Um, and, yeah. I, and I don't yeah. want to sort of gloss over that and pretend that they're not doing tons of work and that each of them isn't doing you know, above and beyond what any individual in the hobby should be expected to do. And none of them are paid, which is important to remember. Um, yeah, we all got day jobs, I, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Like it, it needs to come down to the community to support them. Like we need people to help them with social media reach. We need people, you know, to apply for the Urcha Ambassador Program and to say, hey, this is what I'm good at. Whether you're a CPA who can help them with keeping the books public or you're someone who's good at social media who can help them keep a weekly post up that talks about what's coming or Urcha West or here's the things we're doing. Uh, and we want to, you know, just keep things transparent. Here's what we're doing this week. Here's what we're working on sort of a weekly update thing, like reach out to these folks, right? Like we as yeah. a community need to improve Urcha and I would encourage everyone to sort of, you know, heed Dan's call there and hit him up via email, you know, reach out to Dan and say, Hey, here's what I'm good at. And here's what I can help you with. I only have this limited amount of time but here's what I'm good at. And I think if we all do that as a community, we can really take this thing further and slowly work towards increasing the pilot count. Yeah. I think now that, you know, I, you know, I guess coming from being in the hobby for a while, getting out and then coming back in, I feel like I have a unique perspective on coming back in, wherein there's a lot of people out there that don't really know a lot about our show or aren't, weren't even aware that they could participate even though Urcha, as they say themselves, it's advertised on their website and people could go find it if they wanted to, but nobody, I think there's a lot of people out there now that are going to be like, oh shit, I could volunteer for that. Okay. And maybe they will. So yeah, for sure. This is good. I mean, I hope so, right? Like the one thing that, that hit my inbox via email and messenger and whatnot after our episode with Angel last week is the number of people that reached out to me sort of privately and in other groups that said, hey, I've always been a little gun shy. There was some shenanigans going on at Urcha and I wasn't really willing to sort of, you know, tie my wagon to that, right? Like 
But I think Precisely. if we truly turn over a new leaf at Urcha and work towards transparency, that I think a lot of people are quietly waiting in the wings, willing to jump on. And I really hope that, that that becomes true, right? That people say, hey, Urcha's really working towards improving things. They really want to make this a better event. And you know, folks are willing to sort of tie their wagons to Urcha. I'm going to go a little hard line here because this is my mentality. What, two points, really. One is if, if you are an organization and you have bylaws, you must conduct business by those bylaws. And it's pretty evident that that didn't happen. Now, Part of me, I'm also a guy that doesn't necessarily want to cry over spilt milk. This shit happened in the past, but moving forward, they have bylaws. Those bylaws need to be followed. They, in fact, are required to be followed. Agreed, yep. Right? Yep. That being said, I can't abide by, it was just too much work for us. Now, let me preface that with, I get it. I understand it was a lot of work. I'm not denying that. But if, if your current group of leadership is aware that we can't, these bylaws that we have and are required by the AMA and the organization itself cannot be met, well, they have a process by which they can change those bylaws. Now, some of them they can't change, right? Because the AMA has their, their requirements that they must meet. One of those is biannual elections. They have to do that. Right. One of them is the fiduciary responsibility and somebody, you know, you, you have to take a hard line on some of this stuff because if one little, if, if one little discrepancy falls through the cracks, it's really easy for the next and you have a snowball effect at that point. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that we should throw out all the, the baby with the bathwater? No, I don't think so. But what they're going to be up against, the struggle they're going to be up against is reforming or, you know, redoing whatever word you want to use this organization is going to be very, very difficult because there's a lot of folks that have been, have invested a lot of years, a lot of support into the organization of Urcha who just don't, who are just done with it. And I did, I do want to take a, a bit of issue with something Dan said, you know, we were talking about the decline of, of participation at Urchin. Yeah, it's been down and COVID played a huge role in that. There's no question about that. The way people consume social media, that's different. I get that. But I don't, th- I don't, th- I don't think we can overlook. I don't know how many times I've been told over the years, I'm never going back. Screw that. There's too much bullshit happening at Urchin for me to even bother with it. That is a contributing fact to the decline. Is it, a, is it an absolute correlation? I don't know. I don't, I'd like to think it's not, but we can't, we can't just dismiss it, right? Right. I, no, it's I a can't. tough uphill battle. I don't know the answers. I do think that part of me says we need to start over with a new group of guys. I don't, you know, Dan was just on the show. I don't, I don't want him to hear this and think that I think that, oh my God, you did a horrible job, you know, get rid of all of them. No, that's not the case. But we need somehow to move forward with a sense of trust. And I don't know how that happens unless, and again, starting over, I don't see that, I don't, 
Oh, it's a tough one because that's not a solution either, right? I don't know. It's yeah. like, you don't, you know, starting over, how could they do that? How could they do vendor relations? Right. How could someone who's never done that before just step in and do it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe the, the current leadership agrees to stay in a non-voting position uh, for a changeover period, right? I don't, I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that's something. I don't know. But something needs to happen. I don't envy them for being in this position. I hope nothing but good comes of it. And I hope that however it gets worked out, I hope that it's in favor of continuing yeah. and, and, and watching Urch thrive. We all need to do our part to make that happen. Encouraging uh, transparency, massively important. Yeah. Volunteering your time when you can. I know that's tough to say. It's, well, it's easy to say, tougher to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got such busy lifestyles these days. I don't know. It's a tough, tough spot. Dan, thanks for coming on. Please, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm just kind of looking at this realistically, objectively. You got to try and think all the thoughts, man. Yeah. How is it? How is it? How does this play play out? Curious to see, right? Yeah. I hope it plays out for the best. I hope beyond all hopes that they somehow get everything figured out and um, we move forward and, and next year we're just excited about the next Urchie Jamboree and we're not even thinking about this shit anymore. We'll see. Yeah, man. For sure. All right. Well, I think we're going to end this one, but before we do, there's a little bit of, I guess, housekeeping items I want to talk about uh, just to kind of, cause I don't, think we've really spent much time going over it. Thank you, Nick, for helping getting the iTunes feed sorted out. That was a major win for us. Yeah, man. One other thing, you know, we've never, well, two other things, actually. I've had a lot of listeners ask me to take some time to talk about the transition from version two to version three and kind of what's been going on between that. I've mentioned it a little bit. There's going to be time to talk about that on future episodes. Not going to dedicate a lot of time to that, but occasionally we'll talk about it. Uh, version, version two, we kind of relied heavily on advertising and we are not going to be doing advertising for version three. Um, one thing we shied away from because when we started, it was kind of a, a user support type system. We, we didn't really want to do that, but this time I think we're going to, in the form of locals. I don't know if you guys are familiar with locals or not. I would imagine in the next week or two, you're going to see a locals landing page. This show is going to be free uh, from now until it's no longer a show. There's no question about that. But we always, you know, we used to always get, well, how can I, you know, how can I help? What can I, you know, how can I show some support for the show? And we're not going to harp on these. We're just going to let you know about them. If you choose to do it, uh, you'll be able to, uh, I, I don't know the details yet because I'm still kind of working with the locals company. To, the, the One of their executives I've been talking with trying to figure out how to get it all set up. It'll be in the form of a monthly donation or subscription or whatever you want to call it uh, of your choosing anywhere from $1 to whatever. Um, you know, we're probably going to be putting up some shirts pretty soon. All that stuff's in the works. So I just thought I'd mention it. Any support is appreciated, but again, never necessary. And uh, obviously that money will be used to further the show. Get us out to some events uh, at times, probably not till next year. Uh, and help us buy equipment that we need to keep the show rolling along. Cause it does start to cost a little bit of money when you start getting a significant amount of downloads, but uh, we'll worry about that stuff when the time comes. The Facebook page, 
has been fairly active. Encourage you guys to go there and sign up on that. Or how do you, what do you do there? You, you subscribe to that? Do you sign up on that? I don't know. Go check the like button. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, come, come follow the page. Yeah. Follow the, the page. Button. There you go. Yeah. Don't we have a millennial uh, for this? <laughs> should I have a millennial explain all this stuff? <laughs> a millennial? Who, what's that? That's you. <laughs> That's me. I don't, I don't think he's a millennial, is he? Does he qualify as a millennial? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Am I old enough to be a millennial? I don't, I don't think, think I am. I think, I think Rob falls into the millennial category. Does no, he? I'm Gen X all the way, bro. Are you Gen X? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I am too. My beard's gray. <laughs> Mine is I thought too, I was right? a Z or something like that that they call it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, Facebook page, uh, our webpage, www.rchnv3.com. We're working on one thing I was mistaken about. I've had a lot of folks ask me if there's a direct RSS feed. Uh, which allows you, I guess, to use a podcatcher of your own choosing and you just enter in the feed and it does it. Our guy that's working on the webpage is working on that today. I don't know if that's going to be ready or not anytime soon, but yes, you still can go to Podbean. You can go to iTunes. You can go to Spotify. You can go to, I think, I did see on on, uh, Google Podcasts, I was able to find it. However, the, I don't think it's correct because the, Artwork didn't come through, but I can find the episodes there. So basically, that's everywhere. About it. Yeah, we're we're everywhere. We're, yeah, we're, that's how it is, though, like man. Can't get cockroaches. We're never gonna die. <laughs> hey, there's no. no escape. No escape. <laughs> You're stuck with as, us. As long as the main rotor spins, we will spout our rhetoric. Wow, that was like a prayer in its own. That yeah, was it was. That was very like poetic. As the world turns. That yeah, man. RCHN for life. Uh, so, Devin, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Well, uh, real quick, I want to say thank you to everyone that sent me messages. Congratulations, saying they love the episode and they're super happy and everything. That meant a lot. And uh, to contact me is Devin at rchnv3.com or Devin McClellan on Facebook. You can get to me that way then through Messenger or Facebook. Sounds good. And by the way, Devin, it, you're absolutely right. Tons of good feedback. I'm really excited to have you here. So I'm yeah. excited to be here. Excellent. Yeah, man. All right, Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, if you've got some interesting hobby news to report, or you just want to send me a message, you can find me on Facebook at Nick Wisdom RC, or you can hit me here via email at Nick Wisdom at RCHNV3.com. How about you, Rob? Okay. Well, if you want to get a hold of me, like if you got a problem with your helicopter, for instance, this one's pretty easy. So what you got to do is you got to go get yourself a wind talker. Uh, if you don't know what that is, that's the code breakers uh, from the Mel Gibson movie about World War II. And they break codes through talking to the wind, apparently. So go fly your helicopter at, with the wind talker uh, just at your side there. He'll listen to the helicopter flying through the wind and interpret that into your message. And then he'll just uh, send that to me via Morse code to my CB radio and I'll hear it. And then I'll reply to you. Uh, but if you've already crashed your helicopter or you just rather would use your fingers to type on a keyboard or some archaic way to do it, you could send me an email at rob at rchnv3.com uh, or you could reach me on uh, our Facebook page or on my page at NextGenRC uh, on Facebook. 
All right. Well, I'm Dan. You can reach me at dan at rchnv3.com. Dan K. Reed on Facebook. That's really about it. I don't really do the Instagrams or the TikToks or the, I don't know. We got to get you on TikTok. Grinder. (laughs) Tinder. All of the above. Tinder. Sounds like a place to get some uh, fires going. Exactly. It is. It is, Dan. You got to get it. All right. All right, guys, we sure hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. We'll see you next time. Have a good week, everybody. Have a good week, guys.